The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Yes, yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Saturday Night Bill's Allergy on the Built in Buffalo Facebook page, YouTube channel, and Twitter page. I am your co-host, DM3. You can find me on Twitter at DM3 underscore B-I-B, along with my co-host, Akeem Richens A. Rich. You can find him on Twitter at KingRich underscore 987. What's going on, fam? A. Rich, what's up, man? It's good. A Rich Akeem Richens. This is a, a beautiful Saturday night to present the Built in Buffalo broadcast. I feel great. I feel much better than I did earlier in the week. And uh, I'm ready to get this game going, man. How you doing? I'm good. I'm living. I'm living. I'm living. It's Saturday night. So I'm always hyped up for our shows on Saturday night. So if you guys are new to our Facebook page, Twitter page, or our YouTube channel, please smash the like button wherever you guys are at. If you're watching on Facebook, share this. If you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to our channel. We're about to hit 3,100 subscribers. So thank you to each and every one of you guys that, that rocks with us, follows us, you know, and just hangs with us and enjoys our shows and our content. Um, some normal people are already in the chat. I see Jason Humbert. Kim Boomhauer, Willie Boom, who? Willie Boom, who? I don't know who he's talking to. Who? Who? Willie Boom, who? I don't know. Seth Silsby, what's up, man? What's going on? Um, we have a packed show. So, Brett Tomlinson, what's going on, man? Um, we have a packed show tonight. We're going to talk about what's going on with the Bills' offense. We saw some OTAs this week, but we are going to break down wide receivers. We're going to break down tight ends and quarterbacks. If you guys watched the show last week, um, it was really well received um, by um, our followers and our subscribers. A lot of people saying it was a really good show. We broke down the offensive line and the running back position. So we thought we'd bring back part two. Um, we have a bunch of other stuff we want to talk about OTAs. Uh, the bills made some signings this week. As always, we have a few segments. We have a new segment. We're going to end at the end, at the end of the show. Um, I'm going to try to stump Akeem on some questions. Um, I think he's going to try to stump me. Um, but how we always start the show, if you guys are new to watching, or if you guys are following along and you guys know us, we have a segment called... Yeah, I had to step that up a little bit. You know, all, all the bells and whistles, all the bells and whistles. It, so a few a few things happened this week. You know, it wasn't a slow week. There was actually a lot of stuff going on. And if you guys don't know, the Bills signed a wide receiver named Lance Lenore. He's kind of a cast off. Uh, he's a speedster. I don't know if this is just a camp body, but, you know, coinciding with this, the Bills released uh, undrafted free agent Trey Walker. So, A-Rich, any thoughts on the Bills signing yet another wide receiver? It seems like we have 37 on the roster. So, what's your thoughts on Mr. Lance Lenore? 
well, you know, it's 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 90 players that's allowed on the team, you know. So we we have to look underneath every rock, try to scratch every surface to see if we can find guys under the rock or building blocks or niche players that can come and attempt or try to produce for our team, the Buffalo the Buffalo Bills. And Lance Lenore is just another example of that. I don't think he's any more than a camp body. If he impresses, he may get a look in the practice squad. And if he really impresses outside chance, then you never know what happens for a roster spot. But as of right now, uh, a, cap, a, a camp body waiting to be released later on in the year. Imagine being a wide receiver, and who would have thought we would ever say this? Imagine being a wide receiver who's kind of like a fringe, you know, practice squad roster guy, being signed by the Bills right now, as opposed to like you know three years ago, you know, hey, I got a shot, maybe I can you know sneak in there on the practice squad. But now, as deep as this roster is, it's absolutely insane um, the amount of depth at the wide receiver position. All right, so if you guys didn't know, the salary cap the ceiling for the salary cap for 2022 is set at 208. It's 0.2 million. Um, I left out the 0.2. I rounded it down. Uh, so that's, that's a lot of money more than what this season's 184 and some change million is. So what was your initial thoughts, a rich, when you saw that the, the salary caps starting to go back up, um, trending in the right direction for 2022? uh it it's trending in the right direction of course is it's a positive thing to see with a lot of teams but it's as a special especially positive to see with our buffalo bills it's only as positive as good as your gm is right your gm has to know what to do with that money and know uh where to put that money in, in into good use so uh especially with the josh allen contract that's looming I think this is a, a, a very positive outlook for Brandon Bean and the Buffalo Bills. I like it because next year you have Josh Allen and Tremaine Edmonds around their fifth year options, which I feel like I've said this and I'll say it again. I feel like they're going to get um, extensions before the season starts, because if you look at a pattern of behavior from Brandon Bean with what he did with Tredavious White, Deion Dawkins, that's when they got their extensions right before the season started. Didn't want to talk about it. And it be kind of one of those things that carries on throughout the season. People are talking about no distractions, um, but it's it's nice to see that some of the the cap is coming back, and you have to think it's going to be even higher in 2023 with all these mega TV deals that they got going on now with the 17th game. You know that's just that's bonus revenue, right? Because that's essentially would be when the playoffs start. So that's the 17th. And if you have some some dogfight games in Week 17, teams jockeying for you know, playoff positions and things like that. They might move some more games into prime time. You get more viewership, you get more sponsorship, you get more ad revenue. So I think it's going to start coming back on top of the fact that as we all saw that I think 30 of 32 teams are capable of having um, full attendance for home games. Um, now I'm sure some things still have to be signed off on as far as local legislation and things like that. So there's some revenue that's going to be coming back, making up for last year. Plus there's, 16 teams that have an additional home game that those organizations are going to make, you know, revenue off of ticket sales, you know, all that stuff. So super interesting to see. I, I love the fact that it's starting to go back. We're starting to get back to some form of normalcy in the NFL. Um, and it's nice with, to see 
which is huge. $26 million increase, 25 or $26 million yeah. increase from last year. So uh, the year after, it, it could be even more. So it's, it's an exciting time uh, for NFL fans. That money right there covers Tremaine, or, uh, covers Tremaine Edmonds and Josh Allen's fifth-year options right there. Right. So, I mean, that's 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 a good that's a good way to look at it. Now, other things have to get done because the bills, if you look at anywhere on the cap, if you look at over the cap, um, any of these places, uh, you know, sports sports track there, the bills are close again next year. If, if the contracts pan out the way they're they're lined up right now, they're close to like a few million over for next year. So some things are going to have to be worked out in the offseason again next year. So which I'm sure will happen. Definitely. All right. Also. The second most tenured Buffalo Bill besides Jerry Hughes currently on the roster, Mr. Reed Ferguson, is now the highest paid long snapper in the NFL. I'm not sure a lot of people are aware of that, but Reed Ferguson, man, he's he's been here and he's a constant. Um, mm-hmm. And I got some info I'm going to show when we hit our tweet tweet this segment, but it's nice to see that they're taking care of their own. I mean, this it's not a sexy position. It's not a sexy contract. It's not a one of those contracts that's going to make you go, ooh, ah, it's not like news breaking, like, holy cow, we extended our long snapper. But it's continuity, right? You want continuity with your with your special teams. Um, and Reed Ferguson definitely brings that. What, what's your thoughts on bringing back Reed Ferguson? I believe it was a three-year contract. Uh, professional. Constant professional. We we're we're talking about something we never talk about. <laughs> so right. uh, th- that that's all I need to that's all that needs to be that needs to be said. We don't talk about this, and we shouldn't have to talk about long snapper, right? And I think we Reed Ferguson has done a tremendous job at his job uh, during his tenure for the Buffalo Bills. He was a captain last year in 2020. He was a captain last year in 2019. He exemplifies that culture and does his job well. So if it's not broke, don't fix it. Congratulations to Reed Ferguson. I agree a hundred percent. And this is a good comment from Jason Taylor. Uh, With the extra game, won't players want a little more money too? I believe when contracts are going to start being structured based off the 17, you know, as far as new contracts, it's going to be, you know, I don't think they're going to be warranting a lot more money because I do feel like as far as snap counts go, I feel like there's going to be some coaches that are going to put some players on some snap counts. So it's not going to be like you're, you're putting this huge amount of pressure on your body to perform because it's just an extra week. And I feel like these guys are professionals. I haven't, I haven't heard anything from anybody uh, in the NFLPA saying, Hey, we need to re- we need to restructure these contracts because these guys are playing an extra week. I haven't seen anything like that, but there's all kinds of roster bonuses that are included in contracts that we're not privy to as far as performance, playoff base, things like that. So I'm sure that those could be added in um, as not, well. Not only that contracts are going up naturally anyway, right? You know, the contracts are naturally going up, regardless of the fact that if it's 17 games or not, these players are going to get paid accordingly. Even uh, uh, 10 years ago, uh, a player getting $100 million was more like a quarterback. Now, these days, we starting to branch off into other positions that's getting money uh, worth uh, uh, close to a $100 million contract. So through natural inflation, I believe these players are going to get paid regardless couple good comments in here about Reed Ferguson. I like Brent Thomason says position not noticed until there's a mistake. And if you watch a rich pointed this out and, you know, props to a rich pointed out the Ravens game. There were some bad snaps in that game and absolutely 
caused some issues for the Ravens trying to recover from, you know, botched snaps or, you know, just, you know, mistakes. Right. And that's one thing that we don't have to worry about. So that's a great comment. Um, Daniel Garvey's coming in with extending Reed Ferguson is a good move. He's one of the best in the league. I agree mm-hmm. a thousand percent. We're going to touch on that in a minute too. Cause I got a little snippet when we do our tweet this segment <clears throat> and if you guys have been under a rock, don't pay attention to Bill's social media or you just aren't following the team. We got you covered because the boys are back. Uh, OTAs were this week. And as I talked about Thursday when I went live, uh, the Bills both days had at least 70 players. One day they had 75 plus, depending on what source you look at. Um, yes, that's Josh Allen and Shorts. For any of the ladies watching, you're welcome. Um, I just like the visor, I like the Terminator visor. Um, with the white face mask, that that shit's yeah. legit right there. Legit, so legit. it's clean. That shit's clean. Um, so having seventy five players on a team that has a, a lot of guys that are in their second, third, fourth, and a lot of veterans, I thought it's a win. I I think that I I think you look around the league and a lot of teams. Of course, the Jets are going to have eighty to eighty five players because they have so many new players on the roster. Um, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars, of course, they're going to have a ton of guys at OTAs because they have to, because they've turned over their rosters. The bills have a lot of guys like Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison, Mitch Morse, uh, Daryl Williams, players that have been in the league. They have their off season, you know, routines that they do. I don't think it was really a huge deal. Um, that guys like Stefan Diggs weren't there. Emmanuel Sanders, I mean, Emmanuel Sanders is 34. He's done this like 10 times. Like he knows it's not last year, right? Mm-hmm. It's not the weird COVID pandemic offseason, right? It's it's things are getting back to normal. There was rookie mini camp. There's it's voluntary OTAs. It's voluntary. And I touched on this and I won't harp on it anymore, but I, I do want to get your opinion on this, A Rich, because I talked about it Thursday um, and it's kind of making the rounds of social media is what's your thoughts on star not being at OTAs? Is it a big deal or is it not? No big deal. <laughs> really? To, to me, it's, it's no big deal. Star Latoule is a, is a veteran as well. He is a veteran as well. And Star Latoule is, is at a point in his career where uh, uh, OTAs is not going to make him better. OTAs is not going to make him any worse. He is a veteran. I understand that we went through a pandemic and he's been away from the team for a while. But like you said, it's it's voluntary, right? So uh, right. players have that option. And if you want to give players the option, then players have the right to, to choose whether they want to go or not. And Star Latourle is, in my opinion, a veteran guy uh, that that uh, is going to be there when necessary. That's going to be there when needed. I don't think the Buffalo Bills or him uh, personally is going to become a better player by attending OTAs. Uh, so I'm not no big deal for me. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna absolutely put this comment up because if people have a and spin 0481, if people have a problem with Star not showing OTAs, they should have a problem with Diggs. No, absolutely disagree with this comment. Why? Because I feel like Diggs just had the best season of any Bills wide receiver. What the hell does he have to prove? Star hasn't been on the field since the wild card game against the Texans. Mm. He hasn't been in a Bills facility for 16 months. At least show up and say, hey, I'll wear a red non-contact jersey. I'll run through whatever just to show some solidarity with the team. Again, I'm not saying that it's a super huge deal. I'm just looking at it from a different perspective than from what everybody else Stefan Diggs is a superstar, right? 
Starla Tula is a an barely above average lineman, but he hasn't played football in 16 months. We don't know what he looks like. We don't know that if he can come in and, and play right away. He's got guys that were drafted that are looking for his spot. Gregory Rousseau can line up inside. Harrison Phillips, absolutely in a contract year, wants to put shit to work, right? So I just, I don't know. I'm not making a huge deal out of it. I'm just thinking that it would have been nice to sh- have him show up and, and show some solidarity solidarity to the team. That's that's just my take on it. I, I don't think Diggs has anything to prove. He showed up in Florida last year that, you know, right after he was traded, he was, he was working out with Josh. We've seen him. We've seen videotape of Diggs working out. We know what he's about. We know what he's doing. We have no idea what Starla Tule is doing. We have no mm-hmm. idea. And, and he's an offensive lineman who's 300-plus pounds. Did he lose any weight? Is he still in playing shape? Is he staying in touch with the coaching staff? Does You know what I'm saying? Like, There's players that want his job on this roster. You can't say the same about mm-hmm. Stephon Diggs. Production is all I care about. Are you going to come in? If you come in here in OTAs and you show up in OTAs and you and you lack that production and you lack uh, the talent that other players have at your position, he's going to it's going to be a problem regardless. All I give a damn about is if you're going to come in and produce, can you come in and pick up where you left off and provide that stability at the one technique for the Buffalo Bills? We're talking about a man that's been in the NFL since 2013. That's 107 games. Out of 107 games, he missed three games since 2013. I understand. You no, know, so uh, you, you know, I, I I understand your point as well. But uh, <laughs> a, a veteran player, I, I I understand. I understand if he doesn't want to show up to this voluntary OTAs. I'm not. I'm not tripping off that. Yeah, I got you. And Daniel Gars, I'm not overreacting. I'm not all the Bills fans lumped into one. I'm just putting in a, a different spin on some things that maybe not everybody's talking about. I, yes, I understand. I let off the, with the topic that it is voluntary. Mm-hmm. I get it. So, all right. So that's that for for around Buffalo this week. So now, I think this is Aris's favorite segment. I think he just likes the beat. All right, I let that one run, run a little bit longer than usual just because it was hitting pretty hard. All right, so first one we got from Sal Capaccio. Since 2017, the Bills have attempted 549 punts, field goals, and extra points combined. Reed Ferguson has never had a bad snap in those 549 attempts. That's what we're. That's what I was trying to allude to earlier. That is continuity. That is, hey, if it ain't broke, don't try to fix it. Reed, you want an extension? Here we go. You're the highest paid long snapper in the NFL. That, that is also mental toughness. Hell 540 yeah. straight, 549 straight snaps without a hiccup. You know how mentally tough you have to be game in and game out through each and every snap of those 549 snaps. Congratulations to him once again, man. And I hope we're not jinxing him by talking about this shit now. I, I was thinking, I was, <laughs> I was thinking that when we were talking about it earlier, I'm like, shit, I don't want, I don't want like him, you know, throwing one over our punter's head. So, all right, next one. Tom Palisaro. Um, I, I put this in here because I tweeted about this, and I don't think people picked up what I was throwing down. I'll, I'll see if you pick up what I'm throwing down, A-Rich. So NFL owners just approved the 90-man roster to start training camp, Source said. Mm-hmm. Cuts, cuts are 85 
Down 85 by the 17th, no big deal. That's five guys, right? 80 on August 24th, no big deal. That's five. But then down to 53 by August 31st. Now, obviously, um, 16 guys are going to go to the practice squad because we brought back the 2020 CBA that says we can have 16 guys on the practice squad. Mm-hmm. All right, let me put this back up here, and I'm going to see if you follow along with what I'm throwing down. So by the 31st of August, the Bills have to be down to 53. Mm-hmm. The last Bills preseason game is August 29th. Mm. So how many guys you think in that mm. last preseason game are playing and then the Bills have to turn around and cut a whole bunch of them in two days and then look around the league to find guys to solidify their roster to 53. Now things can be done with dropping guys from practice squad, adding guys to the the active roster and things like that. But that's, that's a lot of guys playing in that game that are not going to see any time. And I know that's what happens every year. I get that. What, you know, week, week four of the preseason in, in the past was usually just garbage time to get guys a look, but that's a lot of cuts to make in two days, less than two days, because you play that night, you probably, the, the game's at home. So Brandon Bean will probably go right back to the office. But what's, what's your thoughts? You have to look at the glass as half full. Last year, we didn't have anything. <laughs> we didn't have no right. OTAs. Yeah. We didn't have no Good training. Camp. We didn't have no preseason games. So yes, uh, is it a short turnaround from, yeah. from August 29th to the 31st, from 80 to 53? It's even... Uh, a little earlier, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, than seasons past, I believe the cuts was a a, a, a week later at least in yeah. seasons past. So I think it's even earlier. But at least these players that's going to get cut, they have the chance and have the ability to showcase that talent. So these other 31 teams can at least see you uh, uh, on tape, can see your film on display, recent film of you on display. That gives other players an opportunity to latch on the way other teams that uh, didn't have that opportunity last year. So is it is it a hassle? Is it a lot to deal with for the players? Yes. But at the same time, you have to look at the glass half full and at least they get to showcase their talents. I agree. I agree. And what's another reason why I didn't want the Bills to open the season on Thursday Night Football is because there's two weeks – from the opening day, week one, and the last preseason game. So they have two weeks to figure things out after that. So, I mean, it, like you said, it's 50-50. Like, it's kind of crunch time to get it down. I'm sure Brandon Bean will do the right thing, as he seems to always do. Um, and then they have some time to kind of work work things out. Um, kind of piggybacking off that. It's, it's kind of off topic, but I kind of wanted to throw this out there to you. Mm-hmm. Um, June 1st is literally right around the corner. Do you expect, and then I'll give you my take on this. Do you expect the bills to make some moves after June 1st, as far as players currently on their roster? Now I'm not talking about just, Hey, this was a fringe practice squad guy. They released him and signed somebody else. Do you see anything else happening with the bills roster? Because after June 1st, as anybody knows, that's when all the guaranteed money kicks in. And that's when, um, if you trade players, uh, sometimes teams have to pick up, you know, signing bonuses. There's a whole bunch of, there's a whole bunch of, you know, information I can go into. I don't, I don't want to kill the show and, and have everybody jump off the rails, but June, June 1st, I feel like this year, especially since we have all of the off season that we didn't have last year with the salary cap situation being the way it is. Do you see the bills making some moves after June 1st? 
anything is possible. I believe Brandon Bean says it all the time. He's always looking for ways to upgrade Wait, the team. Say it like Kevin Garnett. <laughs> he's always looking for he's always looking for ways to upgrade the team and upgrade the roster, right? So I believe yeah. Brandon Bean is going to be constantly looking uh for player talent. It's it's at what cost he's going to be looking for this player talent. I don't think any Julio Jones or any Zach Ertz is going to be walking in the building. I think uh, the type of player movement uh, that might be seen from the Buffalo Bills is exactly what's going on right now. Lance Lenore, uh, Jeff Bidette, uh, guys of them sorts. And if we have guys that we actually know the players' names and have some relevance in the NFL, that may have to wait till August 31st when the players are cut and, and, and we get yeah. to see, okay, we've practiced some practices. Where, we, where are we weak at? where we have some weaknesses, where we need to improve, then is when I see a lot more player movement, but not right now. I agree with you 100%, 100% spot on. Um, I I made a, I did a show about <laughs> Willie Jones and Zach Ertz, and, I'm, and I'll, I'll th- always throw this out there. I'm not one of those delusional fans that thinks just because people are available that the Bills are going to go get them. I just, I'm... I, I think that what we did with this defensive, what Brandon Bean did with this defensive line um, as far as in the draft, um, even F.A. Obata, you know, mm-hmm. he's going to be pushing these guys like Mario Addison, um, Vernon Butlers, and things like that. So I, I know they both took restructures. It's just going to be interesting to see if they're just 100% rocking with what they got. Mm-hmm. Um, because I say that because you got to think that there's going to be first time head coaches out there, right? There's going to be GMs out there that have their draft class now in training camp or now in OTAs. They kind of see what they got. Um, they got their guys signed, so maybe somebody's expendable that we're not even thinking of. You know, as far as it could be a defensive end, it could be a linebacker, it could be a cornerback, it could be, you know, running back, wide receiver, tight end, lineman, any anything. There could be any position that could become available that we're not even thinking of um, because of the June first cut and teams trying to get under the salary cap. So it's going to be interesting. Um, I feel like there's going to be more moves this year than there has been in previous years. So all right, moving on. PFF, my favorite. I, I've been I've been at war with PFF like for like two months now, and and I like PFF. I like what they do. They work hard, but sometimes they just they just do some stuff that I get confused about. So PFF threw this up there as projections for Josh Allen. So he's going to have more passing yards, but he's going to have less passing touchdowns. How do you feel about that? Do you think that that's accurate? Are they going to are they going to run the ball inside the red zone instead of Josh? you know, throwing the tight ends like they did last year or finding Diggs or Beasley or Sanders or Davis or <laughs> what's I mean, your thought? I, I, the thoughts is, uh, are, are they saying that we're going to be more effective in the running game? Because if we're more effective, that's the only way uh, yeah. I see Josh having less than, in my opinion, 35 touchdowns. If we're more effective in a running game and Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, Matt Breida is is uh, getting loose for some touchdowns. And is that possible? Sure, it's definitely possible. But uh, I, I like the statistical numbers that they put up, PFF. I would just go a little higher with the touchdowns and I'll say at least 35. I go 4,600 yards, 35 touchdowns and around eight TDs because eight, nine TDs is the norm in terms yeah. of rushing TDs for Josh Allen. So. That's All right, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give my first one of these of the show. <laughs> oh, that's hot. That's hot. And this is for me. Josh is going over five thousand yards this year. 
I think that they're going to try to establish the run. I really do. I think that they're really going to try to get back to the 2019 scheme that seemed to work. Um, it just, we didn't have the horses to do it. I mean, Singletary averaged over five and then we had Frank Gore, you know, what, what are we, what, what can we do with that? And then we had, you know, TJ Yeldon who never played. So I think you can still have somewhat of a running game, but if you use it the right way, get out ahead in games, right? And I'll even st- stick with you with the 32 to 35 touchdowns. That could be accurate. Get down the field and then run the ball in. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I-, I feel like, and I also feel like, too, I think that Matt Breida is going to have a sneaky role in this offense. I think that Brian Dable looks at Matt Breida and he's just, you know, like licking his chops. Like, all right, I can I can split you out as a wide receiver. All right, I can actually develop a screen game this year because I have a guy that can take it to the house if we're on the 10-yard line. You know, and things like that, and the blocking's got to be good and all that, but I, I honestly feel like like Josh is going over 5,000 yards this year. And think about this. Think think about this. In 2018, we feel that Josh Allen was more of a runner than ever than his rookie year, right? Uh, that's because he had the most yards. He had 631 rushing yard, eight TDs in 2018. He was like, shit, Josh Allen ran the ball a ton, but he only had 89 rushing attempts in 2018. As opposed to 2020, his best year, he had 102 rushing attempts. Yeah. The year before that, he had 109 rushing attempts. So why can't he get back to uh, 89, 90 rushing attempts and still have those yards passing? And those rushing attempts I, now is Zach Moss and, and Devin Singletary uh, being effective with those rushing attempts. I also think that it's because it's like the Lamar Jackson syndrome. Nobody had film on Josh in 2018. They just thought he was a wildly inaccurate quarterback that gets nervous. We call him sugar, sugar high Josh. And then we saw games. I mean, he had almost three straight games with a hundred yards because they teams didn't understand. I mean, he's hurtling guys Mm -hmm. like teams weren't prepared for a guy that was that big that could do that stuff. Teams just didn't game plan for him. Like, look what happened when Josh was out and Barkley came in against the Jets. Jamal Adams even said we didn't game plan for shit for Matt Barkley Mm -hmm. and Matt Barkley destroyed the jets like Matt Mm -hmm. Barkley, like Matt Barkley. Mm -hmm. So if you got, you know, 15 other teams doing that throughout the season and then, Oh shit, there goes Josh down the sideline for 40 yards, you know, good. And he was doing it to good teams too. I mean, the Baltimore Ravens, he, he did that shit. You know, he was, he was doing it to the Jacksonville Jaguars, decent defenses. He was doing that because they just, this guy's not going to run. And then there he goes down the field. Um, and I see a couple comments in here about Josh's projections. Uh, Daniel Gallery's going, going, going all in 5,000 yards, 50 TDs, 40 passing, 10 running. I could see that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about, see, I, I don't, I don't think Josh is going to have a, a, a bunch of rushing touchdowns. I don't think he's going to need to. And I think he's going to hit a part of his career. I think very soon he's just too smart to not, understand yes he he wants to put his big boy pants on and stiff arm guys and 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 you know flex on people and spin the ball at their feet and he wants to do all that stuff but i think at some point ken dorsey and jordan palmer and brian dale are going to be in his ear and be like look you can't be doing that that trying to you know stiff arm guys and just bully your way through stuff it's not always going to work you're going to start to feel that stuff so i think and when they start to get inside the 10 yard line, stuff like that, they're going to start utilizing the running backs. And now to my point with Brita, you got three backs activate all three on game day and switch it up on every drive, whichever running back 
is the flavor of the drive. And not and not only you know that, what I'm saying. I, I agree 100. percent Not only that, I think it all it all starts with trust. We're talking about rushing touchdowns, ten rushing touchdowns. I think uh, Daniel Garis could be onto something. It's it's definitely possible. 2018, he had eight rushing touchdowns. 2019, he had uh, nine, and 2020, he had another eight. Right. So uh, I believe once we get in the red zone, uh, once we get close to that end zone, it's hard to stop a guy six five, two hundred and forty pounds. So that that is the reason why I think uh, his touchdowns will be there. But what I say trust is, is Zach Moss and Devin Singletary, are they going to raise their game where we can have more trust in them to give them the ball in the red zone more as opposed to putting Josh Allen in harm's way? So that's that's what we're going to see if we could develop through our run game is trust in Zach Moss and Devin Singletary that they can get the job done uh, now that they're we hope that they progress uh, further in their careers. I think it's the O-line. It comes down to, can we stay healthy? Can we have the same five guys up front for, if not the whole season, the majority of the season? Because we have depth. We all know what we just did in the draft. Plus, we got guys like Ike Bakker sitting there just, just waiting. We got guys like Forrest Lamp sitting there just waiting. So, And I will say one other note about OTAs, and I, I forgot to mention this when we were talking about it, was the fact um, Cody Ford is still not – fully recovered from his surgery he had in December. So hopefully he comes back healthy once mandatory camp gets here. Um, because if not, Force Lamp is sitting right there. Say what you want about Force Lamp. I mean, the guy played, what, almost 1,200 snaps last year? So he started He, he started every game, didn't he, for the, yeah. for the Chargers last year? So, yep, I mean, you got, a, you got a guy, plus you got Ike Bakker sitting there who filled in at left guard when Ford went down last year. Not only who's, that. Who, who's, I think, played better than Ford did. I, I, Ike Baca did a did a did a serviceable job. I like Ike Baca a lot, man. I, I think he has I think he's gonna be the starter. Uh I, I'm gonna call a spade a spade here. I know it's not an offensive line uh centric show, but I think Cody Ford is in trouble, man. We're talking about a guy that was struggling before he got hurt. Now he's hurt, a significant injury that he's recovering from. When the hell are you working to get better? <laughs> You're, you can't work on your game injured. You can't work on progressing yourself uh, injured and elevating your game injured. So how are you getting better? You're not getting better. You're, you're trying to heal and get on the football field. So what's going to be the finishing product for Cody Ford? Do we expect Cody Ford to get better while he's been on the shelf nursing an injury? I don't see that. I'm not. I think he's in trouble. And I don't think Cody Ford, hot take, put that Will Smith shit on. Because... <laughs> Oh, that's hot. That's hot. I don't think Cody Ford is going to be the starting guard for the Buffalo Bills. Wow. I like it. We're both dropping bombs here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's try to keep the show on the track. Let's move on. All right. This one's I'm going to break this one down because this one personally irritated the living shit out of me because social media and not from Bills Mafia. This was, of course, because, and I'll get to it in a minute. Uh, this is from the Buffalo News Blitz. If you guys don't know who BN Blitz is, this is from the mm-hmm. Buffalo News. Bill Stefan Diggs says he wants five Super Bowl rings in an interview. Um, he did an interview in DC Magazine, which I read. It was it was very fascinating. Very hum- he was very humble. Um, didn't come across as a diva, but of course, because we live as Bills fans, we live rent free in Minnesota Vikings fans' heads. 
the first thing they said was, what a diva. He's so selfish. I can't believe it. So what I wanted to do, and I'll even play off their shit, right? Mm -hmm. I yeah. want five Super Bowl rings. I want the Hall of Fame. I want the glory. I believe I'm a champion. Mm -hmm. Do you have any issues with any of that? None whatsoever. No. I, I love it, actually, because I envision yeah, I, I Stefan Diggs uh, as a Buffalo Bill for the duration of his career, right? So if he want those things, he's going to want those things for the team he plays for, and that's the Buffalo Bills. So and, I don't have no problems at all with his comments. In saying these things, right, does this make him selfish? Because I'll, I'll paraphrase it this way, and this is how I retweeted this shit because it pissed me off. I put, I want to be a good father. I want to raise my kids really well. I want to be a good spouse. I want to earn money. I want to live comfortably. Blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. Is that making me selfish because I I put I in front of all of it? No, because mm -mm. it's benefiting everybody else because he wants to do the best thing that he can for himself, which makes his team better, which makes the fan base love the shit out of him and yada, yada, yada. So I'll take it one step further because I'm petty and I can do that. So this was not shown in the article until a few days after because that shit all blew off. And this is from uh, Bleacher Report Gridiron. Um, they have been posting a lot of stuff about the Bills lately because they're finally catching on to the fact that the Bills actually have a good team. So I'll read this because it's kind of small. You guys might not see it if you're looking at this on your phone. Um, I want my brother, Trayvon, who we all know is he, he plays for the Dallas Cowboys. He's a DB. And these guys, they are – competitive as hell with each other. We've seen them training in the offseason. I want my brother Trayvon to have a good career. I want to give my mom a place where she can be comfortable. I want to give people jobs. I want to do more for D.C., my city. The mountaintop isn't just football. It's, it's for life in general. So that was left out of all the bitching from all the outside NFL fans saying that Stefan Diggs is selfish. Because if he does all of this with – what he gets with all this success, he can do all of this. So, and then we had a few petty Bills Mafia fans saying, "Why isn't he talking about Buffalo?" Can I can I can I call a spade a spade here? Yes, please. There's there's levels to this, you know. There's there there is it levels uh, to everything that people want to do. And if Stefan Diggs uh, feels that that's what he wants then there is no problem with that. I think people right now are, are taking everything out of context, is, is context, way too overly sensitive. Don't let somebody's confidence be your insecurity. Yep, he's, just, exactly. he's, he's, just, he's just confident like that. And that's why I say his levels to this. If you're on a certain level, if you believe the Buffalo Bills can win a Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl for years, you shouldn't have any problem with this statement because he, at the end of the day, is on the Buffalo Bills. Don't let his confidence be your insecurity. And I just, what happened in Minnesota to, I, I just, I don't, I, I love everything about Stefan Diggs. I love his work ethic. I love his relationship with the players. I love the fact that, He's a guy that people like yourself and me can look up to. We're entrepreneurs, right? Like we want to be, we, we want to have goals and, and be the best at what we do. And to look up to a guy that plays for your favorite football team, telling you, I want to win. I want to win. I want to be, I want to be the best of all time. There ain't nothing wrong with that. 
I'm sorry. There's there's nothing wrong with that. Not so, all. all right. So we are going to move into what the show is actually about. Again, smash the like button if you guys haven't already. We got a ton of people in here on YouTube and Facebook. Smash the like. Smash it some more. And then if you're done, smash it again. Subscribe on YouTube. Share this on Facebook. Like, retweet this on Twitter if you can. So the first position group I thought that we should talk about um, because it's going to probably take a while is wide receivers. And I have a list of all of our receivers, and I'm pretty sure we all know the main guys. So what we're going to do is we're going to kind of break through or break down um, all the the receivers on the roster. Um, No specific order until we get towards the end Um, because we all know who the constants are, right? So Stefan Diggs, right? As we all know, we know what Stefan Diggs just did, right? He could have been in the MVP conversation at some point. I know they typically don't give it to players other than quarterbacks because that's just what it is. But Stefan Diggs led the NFL in targets, receptions, and yards. First time any Buffalo Bills player has ever done that, right? If he would have had a few more touchdowns, he would have smashed every single record that the Bills had. So, Abrish, I'll, I'll we'll do it this way. What's what's your expectation, reasonable expectations for Stefan Diggs for 2021? Uh, I expect more production uh, from other receivers. I expect production from Emmanuel Sanders. I expect production from Cole Beasley, Gabriel Davis, and somebody else. Hopefully, uh, uh, an uptick in, in Dawson Knox's game. So, uh, because I, I I I hope for those things, I'm thinking about 1,200 yards. I don't think I don't I don't see the 1,500 yard mark again. Again, you never know if Josh Allen passes for that 5,000 yard uh, plateau, then uh, anything is possible. But right now, I see uh, about 90 receptions, 12, 1,300 yards, and eight TDs. I I I think that the the target share is going to come down but I think the touchdowns are going to go up. I honestly do. And I think there's going to be more of kind of the plays we saw in the Indianapolis game, the Denver game. I think we're going to see more deep shots to digs this year, because I think you have to now worry if you're a defensive secondary, you have to worry not just about Cole Beasley, got Emmanuel Sanders and now Gabe Davis had there's film on Gabe Davis now. Right? Mm-hmm. So I think that Diggs is going to get more deep shots. I think targets will come down a little bit. I still think he'll probably have close to 85, 90 receptions. Um, but I think he gets in the end zone more often this season. That's 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 my take. That's my take. And and that and that's okay. And I think he's okay with that too. I think as long as the team's winning and he's being a part of that and he's helping the team produce. Because look at last year. I mean, he could have easily had a lot more TDs last year. Um, he did all the dirty work. He got the team down the field and then, you know, they throw it, you know, to, to you know, to these other guys. Right. So, all right, next up, Cole Beasley led all receivers in yards from the slot in 2020. Yes. PFF CBS sports. Cole Beasley is the best slot receiver in the NFL. I don't care what you say. Cole Beasley and Stefan Diggs, I think are, one of the top two duos in the NFL. What's your, what's your thoughts on Cole Beasley as far as production coming off that, that broken Fibia? Cole Beasley is, uh, like you said, the best slot wide receiver in the NFL. He's a, he's a, he's a tough, 
uh, tough, high character guy. Uh, it showed uh, on display uh, last season with a broken fibula and still playing and playing uh, with high production. Uh, I love Cole Beasley. I love Cole Beasley's game. I love his attitude. We're talking about a guy who should have had a thousand yards if he wasn't hurt the way he was. And uh, I think he's going to come out this year and with with Emmanuel Sanders uh, alongside that. I, I think Emmanuel Sanders brings another element to his game that's going to help and benefit Cole Beasley. So uh, I love Cole Beasley, man. Yeah, Daniel Gomery's great comment. I think he goes over a thousand too. I think he gets the because a lot of times you look at the box scores, especially in the beginning of games, like you're, you're pissed because you're like, why isn't why aren't they going to Beasley? He's mm-hmm. open. Why isn't Josh going to Beasley? He's forcing it to Diggs. I think now you you add in Emmanuel Sanders because we couldn't really rely on um, John Brown last year, and then the emergence of Gabe Davis. I don't think that warranted a, a lot of stuff um, that was taken away from Beasley. But now you have Gabe, you have Gabe Davis, you have Emmanuel Sanders, and you got Stephon Diggs. I think he's just going to eat underneath, um, like he did last year. But I think even more. I think he goes over a thousand yards. Um, I got a super chat in here from Jeff King. Great show, guys. I'm a diehard uh, finance follower with Rico, uh, but I like your show. Good content. I'll be tuning in from now on. Thank you for the donation, my, my man. I greatly, greatly appreciate, really appreciate that. Appreciate that, Jeff King. Appreciate that. Um, all right. <clears throat> Gabe Davis. A lot of people don't know that he was second among all rookie wide receivers with seven touchdowns. That's insane. Yeah. One less than Stephon Diggs. Last year, he had more touchdowns than Cole Beasley. That's insane. And he had more touchdowns than Cole Beasley and one less than Stefan Diggs because of Cole Beasley <laughs> and, Steph- and, and, and Stephon Diggs. <laughs> and I, I, like and I, I will say this. I love Gabriel Davis, man. I, I, I loved him in college with UCF. And uh, we're talking about a guy that's 6'2", almost 6'3". He's a big body receiver who has enough speed to get down the field. And uh, I expect him to be even better this year. Again, I always say every show, every time I talk about Gabriel Davis, any man that goes out and runs routes after he gets drafted is okay in my book. He went out and run ran routes after he got drafted. Now he yeah. has a whole season to go out and get better <laughs> and run routes. So I'm expecting uh, a, a nice leap in progression for, from Gabriel Davis. And what's funny is that the Buffalo media was weird. They said that he looked stiff in OTAs. Like how much was he, how much effort was he doing? Was he putting into uh, what? What does stiff mean? What, what do you mean stiff? Like he hasn't been practicing all offseason. Like I don't understand what that means. And people took that and blew it out of proportion. Like oh my god, Gabe Davis is stiff. Oh no, second year he's gonna regress and blah blah blah. I don't, I don't know. I got a super chat from our guy Izzy. Smash that like. Smash it. Smash it. Smash it on Facebook. Smash it on YouTube. Subscribe on YouTube. Share on Facebook. Smash it on Twitter. Uh, Daniel Gar's projection, pro- projection. I can talk projection from for Gabe Davis, seven hundred thirty yards, nine TDs. That I'd be super fine with that. Yeah, the nine TDs is nice. Yeah. <clears throat> now I do want to talk about Gabe Davis for a second. Mm. Um, we have to be realistic. I think with we're, when we're looking at his stats, can we call him Mister Perimeter Toe Drag Swag? Yes, he he did make some amazing sideline catches um, during the season and and one in the Colts game in the playoffs. But I think our expectations need to be realistic. He wasn't warranting a lot of coverage. That's why he, I I feel like he was open 
a lot. The Raiders game, wide open touchdown. The Niners game, wide open touchdown. Um, he made some amazing catches. He made some mm-hmm. amazing plays, but I think that we need to we need to be realistic, and we can't. I'm not one of those guys that's going to sit here and say that. Oh my God, he's he's wide receiver two. You know what I'm saying? Like he he can fill in for wide receiver two role because we lost John Brown. He could be wide receiver two, and we're not even talking about Emmanuel Sanders yet. But he can he can fill in and be wide receiver two right now. I don't think he's there yet. I think he's got some work to do, and teams are going to have film on him now. Um, and I don't know if he's proven if he's physical. I don't know if he's proven um, consistency as far as all of the routes. Can can he do everything? Um, can he block in the run game? Like we don't we don't know a lot of this stuff. We had one really good season from him, and a lot of the stuff. I mean, Stefan Diggs even said like, "Shit, I got to work hard as hell for my touchdowns." This dude's just wide open. Like, so, you know, stuff like that. So, I mean, what, what's your thoughts on that? Like reasonable expectations as far as everybody talking about, well, we don't need John Brown. We got Gabe Davis. You know, why do we go get Emmanuel Sanders, spend money on him? We could have spent money on something else. We have Gabe Davis. Like what, what's your thoughts when people say that? Uh, I, I believe a fully developed Gabriel Davis would be uh number two wide receiver. I think, I, I think he can have, Juju Smith Schuster type production as a number two wide receiver in this NFL. But like you just alluded to, um, I'm not sure if he's ready yet. I wouldn't say he's not ready, but I'm not sure. And since I'm not sure, I can't take that chance of the uncertainty. I have to still go out and get me a, a proven savvy veteran just in case he is not ready. If he's ready, that's great. Let's go out and ball and have a good time. If he's not ready, that is the reason. It's okay. That is the reason why I went out and got this savvy veteran in Emmanuel Sanders to begin with. So uh, I I think we'll be okay uh, regardless because of the addition of uh, Emmanuel Sanders. That's a good point. Good point. And Spence says, how many touchdowns did Gabe Davis have taken away? Three. So he could have had 10 touchdowns. Mm -hmm. Um, And he dropped one. Mm Mm-hmm. In the end zone, yep. he could have had eleven touchdowns. That's insane. Um, I saw a comment. I like this one. Oh, not that one. Where'd it go? Good job. Go. Peerless Price. Can we mm. talk? Peerless Price is one of the most underrated Bills players of the drought era. Mm. Yes, he played with Drew Bledsoe, but I feel like Peerless Price had some really good seasons. Um, all right, so let's keep it. Let's keep it moving. Comments are starting to fly in, guys. I appreciate it. You guys on on YouTube are cranking them through. You guys on Facebook are cranking them through. Um, let's get some more likes in here, if we can. I got I got forty people on YouTube right now, and I got twenty two likes. So that math does not add up. Right. Let's crank up this algorithm so we can get more and more interaction. You guys can interact more and more in the chat. All right, next man up, Emmanuel Sanders, and this one. I'm going to gauge this right to you, A-Rich. What impact will he make at the age of 34 on the Buffalo Bills roster? And before you answer, we all talk about players hitting their peak, their prime. Some position players, some positions players can play longer because of the type of position it is. Like running backs, once they hit 34, I think that's probably, that's a stretch. But as far as wide receivers, Emmanuel Sanders is 34. He had a he had a really decent season. I believe he had 60 receptions, a little over 600 yards for the Saints last year. Um, what are realistic options for him, hoping that he hasn't plateaued? 
What's what's your thoughts? Because everybody's talking about how he runs these routes, top five in the league. Um, he's still fast for his age. Um, he's going to bring in a veteran presence. What What's your thoughts? Break it down for me. Uh, I like the acquisition. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, 61 receptions, 726 yards, five touchdowns. And that was with uh, a past his prime, well past his prime, Drew Brees and Taysom Hill. Right. So uh, uh, on top of that, Michael Thomas was hurt. So he had to play a lot of number one receiver and they didn't have much receivers besides him and Alvin Kamara. So he was a, a focal point to opposing defenses in with the Saints offense. So I think he did uh, a pretty good job last year with the Saints. And I think he brings another alpha male presence to the Buffalo Bills. We, we, we look at how Stefan Diggs is, his mentality as a dog. People like to use this word dog. Everybody's not a dog. But Stefan Diggs, we know is a dog. Josh Allen, we know is a dog. And I think Emmanuel Sanders, he brings that alpha male dog mentality. And unlike John Brown, he doesn't bring that 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 speed, that downfield presence, that uh that explosive, that explosion that John Brown brought. But he still can do everything John Brown can do. And I think he's more of a physical presence, more of a physical receiver. You can't get up on him and jam no. him and get him off no. and get and get him off his route as easy as 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 John Brown. And I think that's the difference uh, in terms of skill set. I don't think Kansas City would be able to get away with that pressed man to man coverage against a guy, savvy veteran, alpha dog, physical presence like Emmanuel Sanders. So I think he's going to bring that that physical culture to to the Buffalo Bills receiving room. I, I I couldn't agree more. And talking about you know the physicality, um, right after we acquired him, I went and immediately went and watched film, um, not just of the Saints but with the 49ers contested catches. This this guy goes and gets it to your point. Mm -hmm. um, and I I don't think that and and I think we've all seen it. We saw it for two well a year and a half. Um, John Brown didn't do that. John Brown would do some things to get open, but John Brown wouldn't go into the end zone and fight off two dudes for a touchdown reception. John Brown wouldn't, you know, play bump and run coverage and, and actually come out out of his route clean where Emmanuel Sanders does that. And that's what we talked about during the chiefs game is that we were just, they just out physical the bills receivers they mm -hmm. knew that in the beginning of this game we're gonna we're gonna be physical we're gonna see what happens and then after that it was over until they started you know playing you know a soft zone because they were up mm -hmm. by by 20 something points mm -hmm. um so i want i want to see i want to see that's why i was talking about gabe davis i want to see if gabe davis can be physical i want to see him go for contested receptions all of his touchdown receptions, it seemed like either he was diving or he was wide open. I want to see him be physical. So, And once we get into tight ends, we're going to talk more about being physical and what the Bills have done um, and can do this, this season. Mm -hmm. So moving on, I know A. Rich has got a strong uh, viewpoint on this guy. Lil Dirty back for his fourth season with the Bills. Um, where does he fit in in 2021? Um, signed a very team friendly deal. He said he would have taken candy to play for Buffalo because he loves it here. He, he, he says he looks at Sean McDermott as like a father figure to him. So he's culture, he's process, he's bought in. Um, he had, I believe he had seven touchdowns last season. I believe if I'm so. not wrong, because he okay. had, he, he had the kickoff or the punt return 
and he had did he have he had six receiving touchdowns or something like that. Anyways, I, I anyway, believe somebody, he had five receiving five receiving touchdowns, and then he had the kick return, the punt return for the touchdown. So I have six and all. Yeah. Um. Why do I think that he had a passing touchdown? I know Cole Beasley had one. I don't think so. Didn't he throw? Did he throw one to Josh? Who threw the one to Josh? Mm, that was. I don't think that was Cole. I don't think that was. Uh. I don't think that was Isaiah McKenzie. <laughs> Somebody in the comments, let me know. Yeah, who threw yeah. that? Who threw that? Um, all right, I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna hey. let you rip on the. Yeah, he threw the touchdown. Yeah, Allen. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's six, seven. So that's seven. He had, no, I think he had eight. I think he had six receiving, one punt return, and then the the passing touchdown. Bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, we talked about this before we came on air, um, because this is gonna bleed right into our next group of guys. Um, because I think the first four are set, they're locks, they're ready to roll. Some people were throwing some comments out there. I saw um, on other content creators, you know, shows and things about how they don't think Emmanuel Sanders is a lock. I think Emmanuel Sanders is absolutely a lock to make this team. I think just alone his veteran presence, I think his route running, um, unless something completely weird happens in the offseason and he falls off a truck, um, his production just falls off and how he plays football, I think he's a lock. So, Mm-hmm. Isaiah McKenzie, break down a little dirty for me in any way that you know how. Wild card. Wild card. When I see guys like Lance Lenore and Jeff Bedette and Brandon Powell and, and, and Tanner Gentry and Jake Kumaro and all these guys that we have, we're, we're constantly looking for guys, right? We have four locks already. So if we have four locks and we go by the Buffalo Bills history, they carry six receivers. We would think Isaiah McKenzie is a lock, but with all these additions that we're adding, I really do not think that Isaiah is a lock to make this squad. He's going to be one of those guys that really is going to have to earn that roster spot. And we're talking about a guy that had, I know we're not referring to PFF as much, but 72.4 overall grade. He had a 78 receiving grade. He got better every year. So he has some things going for him. He has a a lot of versatility, right? We're talking about uh, kick return. He has seven snaps at kick return, five at punt return, 197 snaps at the slot, 92 snaps uh, out wide, and seven snaps in the backfield. So uh, Isaiah McKenzie possesses a lot of versatility that – Brian Dable covets in his offense. So he does have that working for him. And if he can show that he can hold on to the football and progress and take that next step, he will be uh, on this football team, but he's definitely going to have to earn it. I agree with you hundred percent. I don't think Isaiah McKenzie is a lock to make the roster. I really don't. <clears throat> I think that he's going to have to either do something special in the dress rehearsal preseason game, which is probably going to be week two, maybe on kickoff and punt returns. Um, I do like the camaraderie that he has with Josh. I know that those guys are, they work, they work well together. They're always in tune. Um, Brian Dable loves him because he's a gadget guy. But as we start getting into this list, we have a bunch of gadget guys now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We have a lot of guys that can do the stuff that he, why can't you use Matt Breida in that, that gadget role? You can't. I'm not talking about the kick and punt return stuff. I'm talking about the jet sweeps and things like that. You can use Matt Breida to do that. He can do all that. Um, Marquez uh, Stevenson, he can do that. So um, I, I thought it was fascinating that that people are talking about the fact that they they think that he's a lock 
because of he's been with the team now for this will be his fourth season and look at how he progressed. He had three touchdowns in one game, blah, 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 blah. I don't think I don't think that's the I don't think the gadget role is going to be the issue. I think the kick and punt return Could guy. Be. I think that is the the main issue because, like you said, we have a bunch of gadget guys now. We got a bunch of guys that can come in and jet sweeps and and things of that nature. But we need a guy that's going to come in, hold on to the football, and 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 help us out on special teams like Andre Roberts did. We don't want a significant drop off on our special teams units because uh, we don't have Andre Roberts no more. So uh, that's some big shoes to fill, and hopefully somebody can fill them. Hopefully it's Isaiah McKenzie. All right, so we have some guys. That, and I, I titled this Survival of the Fittest, because who knew back if you had a crystal ball back in 2018 that we would be talking about the fact that the Bills have way too many damn wide receivers fighting for six, potentially seven spots, right? Mm-hmm. So, touchdown Jesus Jay Kumaro, Josh's BFF back in Wyoming, Tanner Gentry, fifth-round draft pick Marquez Stevenson, and... My personal favorite of this group, Isaiah Hodgins. So where should we begin with this? Let's start with Jake Kumaro. Do you think that Jake Kumaro is going to be yet again a practice squad guy, completely pissing off Aaron Rodgers, not being on their team? Um, or what do you think is going to happen with Kumaro? Because he plays special teams too. And that's that's the key right there. I think these last two positions and at last two uh, fifth and sixth wide receiver spots, <clears throat> excuse me, I think they're going to have to showcase some type of special teams ability. Uh, I'm not sure if Jake Kumaro, he's going to really have to impress as a wide receiver to make this team because I'm not sure if Jake Kumaro is going to be on this roster. We we have to fill a kick and punt returner. Now, I don't see us getting signing any cornerbacks that play kick return or punt return. I don't see us signing any position any positions that play kick return and punt return besides the wide receiver position, Brandon Powell, Jeff Bidette. So I'm thinking our last two spots is going to have to have uh, that type of, of ability. And because of that, I don't think Jake Kumaro is going to have a, a spot on the initial roster. But practice squad is is definitely an avenue uh, for Jake Kumaro. You see Izzy's comment. You think we can get a pick for, from Green Bay for Kumaro? I mean, maybe that's like the – Hey, that could be like the whole thing that just makes Aaron Rodgers be like, okay, I'm ready to roll. Give me my guy back. No, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I, I mean, he played. He played special teams. Everybody knows about the reception he had in the in the Broncos game on that friggin' laser that was thrown by Josh um, I, Kumaro. I don't know. I I, I think it, it's all going to be based on what they see, not just in training camp, but in preseason on special teams, and that would make or break a Jay Kumaro. To be honest mm-hmm. with you, all right. So let me throw. I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw this back up here as we go along. So Tanner Gentry, as we all know, he played for the Chicago Bears, um, and then the Bills picked him up off the way off waivers last year. Um, everybody's talking about Josh bringing his guys in, um, and we'll talk about tight ends and Jacob Hollister in a minute. But what's your thoughts on Tanner Gentry? I mean, we don't really we haven't seen a lot of him. He was on the practice squad for like a cup of coffee last year, about that long. So what what's your thoughts on Tanner Gentry? Uh, bringing in uh, Josh Allen's guy. He's bringing in uh, the organization is bringing in someone that is familiar with Josh Allen. And that's a part of the uh, the Buffalo Bills culture familiarity. 
right? They they want guys that they know they're familiar with and that 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 hope that they can progress with. Uh, that's what they did with Zay Jones when they drafted Zay Jones. They drafted him because uh, the coach, his coach in in college, was our wide receivers coach at the time. Uh, we have the relationship with the Carolina Panthers because that's where our GM and coach came from. So it's not even a favoritism type thing like, oh, it's Josh Allen. No, this is how the Buffalo Bills operate. They right. like to bring in guys they're, fam- they're familiar with. And, and, and Tanner Gentry is another example. That's a good point. That's a really good point. All right. So his last two are hard for me. Um, Marquez Stevenson and Isaiah Hodgins. We talked a little bit this about this offline. If you guys follow me on Twitter, you know that I love Isaiah Hodgins. Um, the Bills put him on IR last year so that he didn't have to be put on the practice squad so that he wasn't picked up by another team. Very smart, intelligent move um, by the Bills front office to keep him because I don't think he he was injured, yes, but I don't think he would have been ready to play at any time last year. Um, trying to rush him back from injury. They let him take the year to progressively heal, um, but he's in camp, and from what I've seen, he looks he looks fairly decent in camp. So I feel like between the two receivers we drafted last year, between the two receivers the Bills drafted with between him and Gabe Davis, all the all of the hype was around Isaiah Hodgins. Long, you know, he, he's he, he's a guy that gets contested catches. He's he's just he stretches the field. He's he's the kind of do it do it all big body receiver that the Bills, you know, have wanted that they tried to have in Duke Williams for almost, you know, what, three years now. So I'm pushing for this guy, man. Um, And it's hard because that means that we'd have to part with somebody else, but I want to see what he's got. I'm so interested to see him in game situations. What's your thoughts on Isaiah Hodgins? He, he has some, he has the hype with him. He had for a player, uh, for a seventh round pick, he 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 possesses a lot of hype. He comes with a lot of a lot of hype. He's not uh, an explosive, speedy receiver, but uh, they say he had the the best hands in the draft. He a big wide catch radius, uh, a red zone target. He was he 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 has excellent hands, right? So uh, because we hear all these things, we get intrigued. But again, this is something that. We want to see now. We want to see if uh, the intrigue can match the production. And I'm not saying he's the same type of player because they're not the same player. But his hype, Isaiah Hodgins have, he hasn't had, we haven't had this much hype from a from a, a late round pick as a receiver since Derek Rogers. Remember when we picked up Derek Rogers some years yeah. ago and he was supposed to be uh, this big time receiver and, and he went to the Buffalo Bills as an undrafted free agent. There was a lot of hype surrounding Derek Rogers. And I think Isaiah Hodgins is starting to, to get this similar type of hype. And I want to see what he can do. Daniel Garage, great comment. Hodgins and Stevenson have an edge because they were drafted by the Bills. What did I say before we came on about, mm-hmm. uh, about Marquez Stevenson? Brandon Bean likes his draft picks. He likes mm-hmm. to give them a shot to shine. Um, and I was talking specifically about Stevenson taking him in the fifth round. I think that's going to be your kick and punt returner. I honestly do. His breakaway speed is insane. Once he hits second gear, it's it's I don't understand it. And then there's another gear after that. And his long strides, it's just if you guys haven't watched any of his college tape, please, once you're done here, go back, watch it. 
it's impressive. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. very impressive. And I think that he would be more of a consistent return guy just this year, not saying he doesn't have a shot to play wide receiver, you know, in the, in the future. But I think for this year, I think he can get, you know, his feet wet in the NFL by, by playing, you know, kick return and punt returns. And I think that, I think that he would do, do well. Like Ayers said, he's got a, you know, he's got to replace Andre Roberts, a guy that's got huge shoes to fill who gave the bills tremendous field position last year, highly underrated stat that, you know, goes under the radar is the fact that the bills had the second best starting field position in all of the NFL last year. And we don't think about that a lot because the bills were putting up, they put up 501 points and Josh threw for, you know, 4,400 yards because of, you, you know, just having excellent field position, not having to dig yourself out of a, you know, out of the trench being stuck behind the eight ball inside your 20. So Daniel Gallery's we're going to touch on Duke Williams here in a minute. Um, yeah, we'll probably spend 30 seconds on it. Go ahead. Ayers. I got a question for you. Yes. We're talking about uh, Matt Breida. We're talking about running backs a little bit, and we hope that we can implement three three running backs on game day. How do you feel or what do you think are the chances? And we haven't done it, but is there a possibility that the Buffalo Bills can carry a seventh receiver? Is it possible? Could this be the year? We haven't done it in the past, but could this be the year we need a kick returner? We need a punt returner. We talk about implementing a third running back on game day. We have Taiwan Jones playing gunner. One of these receivers can't replace Taiwan Jones in special teams and, 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 and make up as a seventh receiver. What are your thoughts I on that? First off, I don't think Taiwan Jones is safe. I don't. I think I think yes, it's nice to have familiarity like you talked about a little bit ago. Mm -hmm. I don't think Taiwan Jones is safe because you have guys like Wild Goose that can come in here and rip somebody's mm -hmm. head off on special teams. Mm -hmm. Nobody's talking about the fact that I don't think he's going to see point. he's going to I don't think he's going to see a ton of snaps in the secondary. I think they're going to use him as a gunner because he likes to hit people and he's probably going to get some penalties and things like that, but he's aggressive. And that's what mm -hmm. they want. They want some. They they want to bring in some aggressiveness. Um, and there's other guys that are coming in. I feel like, hey, I don't want to be on the practice squad. I'll be a gunner on an NFL team, and that's fine. And I think that, you know, mm -hmm. Taiwan Jones. That's all he does, right? I mean, he gets maybe one to two carries a, a game when it's when it's meaningless. Um, I I just I like that though. I like I, I that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I don't think he's safe either. I don't, and and he shouldn't be. <laughs> he shouldn't be. I know he, you know, he's a veteran and 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 the culture thing. But we at a point now where uh, every every roster spot is is it counts. It's imperative that we we fill every roster spot with with value. So, uh, and and to back to your, I was trying to think for a second on your on your question about. I think they have to do one or the other. I think this has to be the year. And yes, I understand the Bills scored 501 points. Josh had a historic season. Diggs had a historic season. Um, but I think that there's still things they can do to improve this roster as far as the offense. I think one or the other, it's seven receivers or three running backs. I think it's one or the other. I think you mm -hmm. can, you can, you got to do one or the other. Mm -hmm. I think you got to give some variety both mm -hmm. both ways. I don't think you can do both oh, right. because you want to have such a deep um, as far as your defensive line rotation and as far as having guys on the offensive line for depth in case there's injuries. I just 
I don't I don't think we can do both. I would personally carry six receivers and carry three running backs would be the way I would want it to be mm-hmm. because I think that I, I don't think Marquez Stevenson is going to be running routes a lot. I think he's going to be just your kick and punt return. Or if they choose to, for, for whatever reason, put him on the practice squad um, and use McKenzie, I think that that's going to be his role. Yes, he can run routes, but I want to see three running backs. I want to mm-hmm. see three different styles coming out of the backfield. I agree. I agree. All right. So we didn't mention, we mentioned earlier Lance Lenore and a rich gave his take and I agree with him hundred percent. I think that he's a camp, a camp guy. Uh, they brought in Brandon Powell, who is a return guy. I believe he was brought in to, you know, bolster the competition for returns to kind of see what they have there. I don't expect him making the 53 man roster. Um, I just don't. Maybe he'll get a good look in preseason to kind of see what he can offer in in the return game. Um, And then you have Duke Williams. I think this is finally the year that we part ways with Duke Williams. I don't know. Like, we talk about Levi Wallace's ceiling all the time, and I think Duke Duke Williams has hit his ceiling. I think this is who he is. He's a guy that's a fringe practice squad player. Um, We've brought him up. We've asked him to do things in, in specific situations, and he hasn't been able to do it on a stacked wide receiver roster. What's your thoughts on Duke Williams? And then we'll, we'll move on to the tight end room. Um, I, w- I want to speak on Duke Williams, and then I want to get this comment on. I want to get your thoughts on it. Um, okay. If I was Duke Williams, because realistically, he's not making the team. <laughs> He's not going to make this roster. If I'm Duke Williams, I'm going to Sean McDermott and be and, and I'm asking him, listen, I play wide receiver. Can you kick me inside the tight end? I think I, I may have a, an opportunity to make this team as a tight end as opposed to a wide receiver at this point. Uh, He'd probably be what, a better tight end than that, Tim Tebow. That, that this is what I'm thinking. He's a, he's a, he's a, he, 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 he's an alpha male in terms of mentality. He's a right. willing, ferocious blocker. Right. So uh, he's big enough. So if I was Duke Williams, I'd be like, listen, I, uh, tr- let, let me change my position. I'll try to bulk up a couple pounds and see if I can make this team at tight end, because I'm not sure if he's going to be on this team. Like you said, after this, after this training camp. I agree a thousand percent. I, I just I feel like it was a nice story. Right. One undrafted because of some unfortunate you know, situations when he was in college, went to the CFL crushed it in the CFL, like was setting records for the Edmonton Eskimos. Like he was like all world or whatever their all pro is. He, he had, a, he played great. Bills picked him up. Everybody thought that, Hey, all right, this is the big body guy that we need. We need this big body, throw it up in the red zone. Let him go get it. Well, mm-hmm. I watched, I watched Duke Williams in the AFC wildcard game against the Texans, not do shit. I mm-hmm. watched him drop a pass in the end zone and he didn't really do anything else. So what? He caught a touchdown in the Titans game that won the game for the Bills. Great. That was that was three years ago. Mm-hmm. Like the guy's been on the practice squad for three years. What else do you need to see from him to say, hey, you know what? It's time to move on. I'm sorry, but it's time to move on. I understand your tight end philosophy, but that that's had to have been. It doesn't take three years to figure that out. Like he that probably would have already been brought up. Now, yes, he is a good blocker. We brought that up a while ago. He, he's mm-hmm. he's really good at, at run blocking, but like, I, I just think it's time it's time to move on. Like it's mm-hmm. it's t- dude, you've been here. We have ten other wide receivers that are better than you on this roster. Now, 
Uh, and I think we spoke entirely too long about Duke Williams. No disrespect. I agree. I agree. I, I, I just don't think I just uh, don't think he's going to be on this team. I, I, I still wish him the best and wish him all the luck in the world. I want to take take this comment. I want to get your thoughts on this because <clears throat> Jason Taylor made, made a, a, a excellent point to me. I was often struggled throughout the playoffs. He's the, that's the key word right there throughout the mm-hmm. playoffs and. Uh, 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 let's use a, a basketball example here. Mike D'Antoni, his seven seconds or less offense in the NBA, he scores 150 points a game uh, in the NBA with his offense, his seven seconds or less offense. When you get to the playoffs, uh, things are, are a little tighter and things become harder to score. And when I think about the Buffalo Bills, we have Josh Allen. He's a, he's a great player, a great quarterback. We have a, a great wide receiver in Stephon Diggs. But after that, us Buffalo Bills fans know we have players, but outsiders may look at the other names, Cole Beasley, Gabriel Davis, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, 34 years old. A lot of these other guys might look at those players as unspectacular. Uh, What are your thoughts about the Buffalo Bills offense in the regular season compared to the playoffs? And is this a reason why you wouldn't mind having a Julio Jones on your roster? Oh, there's so much to unpack right there. Um, I know. I, know. I, I think I, I think that the season caught up to the Bills in the playoffs because it's a marathon, right? It's not a sprint. And it seemed like the Bills were sprinting every game, right? Trying to score as many points as possible. And I think we saw what having just a straight passing offense, it took toll when we couldn't pass it. That was it. Like we struggled to do anything. So I think that we we need a run game. I absolutely think that we need to instill, install is the right word I was looking for. Um, we need to install the right scheme, the right blocking, the right guys, the right linemen, the right backs, the right play calling at the right time, and not just think that, we're, that Josh is going to throw for 300 every single game. Because I believe that that caught up to us in the playoffs. It definitely caught up to us against the Chiefs. We weren't we weren't physical enough because I just think we we just couldn't be, and I don't think that that has anything to do with the fact that the Chiefs were more aggressive their DBs because the Chiefs secondary the last time I checked the Chiefs secondary didn't do shit against Tampa Bay. Is Tampa Bay's wide receivers more physical than the Bills? Mike Evans no. is a big boy, yeah, but is yeah. Chris is Chris Godwin better than Stephon Diggs? No. Is Antonio Brown better than than Cole Beasley? Or Gabe Davis, and when Gabe Davis is healthy, I mean, I don't. I wish that Antonio Brown. Brown, Antonio Brown of right now. I don't think he's. <sighs> I think he's a shell of of what he was. Anyways, my point is, I think that the way they 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 just zipped through the season didn't give a shit about the running game because they couldn't figure out how they wanted to do it. They had too many guys moving around, too many parts. You know, one guy's injured, one guy's moving over here, this guy's injured. They're always constantly tweaking things. The the interior line play was just not good enough. I think that once they got to Indianapolis, Indianapolis was like, look, we have an athletic defense that can cause some issues. I mean, what happens if Josh doesn't recover or if uh, Daryl Williams doesn't recover that fumble from Josh against Indianapolis? We might lose that game against the Colts. Mm -hmm. The Ravens game... They only scored 10 points. Teron Johnson scored the other seven or six. Um, mm-hmm. So they scored 10 points, the offense. Now, the Ravens had a good defense, but 
Josh didn't really do much in that game. And then we know what happened in the Chiefs game. I, I think I think they just got too one-dimensional. Adding Julio Jones, absolutely. I talked about it on Thursday. You want a big boy to go and add some physicality? Absolutely. To your point about Emmanuel Sanders. Emmanuel Sanders brings a little bit more physicality. He's crafty because he is a veteran. Um, and that's why I'm pushing for Isaiah Hodgins. I want to see a physical receiver in this offense and not just slice and dice with digs, nice, nice route running, little five foot seven Cole Beasley slicing and dicing, things like mm-hmm. that. And I'm probably going way too long on your answer. And I'm no, trying to get I'm trying to I'm trying to reel it all in without sounding like I'm rambling. But I think that we just went through the season too fast. And we never focused on some things that would have helped us in the playoffs. Does that does that make sense? Uh, it does make sense. And I'll take it a step further. Hopefully we do have that running game because when you look at the Buffalo Bills schedule, we have a bye week in week seven. We have a bye week early in this season. That means we have about 11 straight uh, games to play in the regular season before the playoffs. So we're, we're talking about uh, being one dimensional, one dimensional. We're talking about health. We're talking about fatigue. Uh, I think positioning is going to definitely matter. I think we're going to, uh, if we can get that bye week, that number one seed, I think that's going to help because we want to be as healthy and as fresh as possible for the playoffs and to get to the Super Bowl. I agree with you a thousand percent. I was just trying to find a comment. Uh, I can't find it. Anyways, all right, so let's let's move on from receivers because I think we spent the majority on the show on receivers, but that's okay. It was the biggest group of all the positions, yep. and I wanted to spend time on it because for the first time in a long time, we have a lot to talk about as far as you know, going from what we had even uh, the year we broke the drought, two thousand seventeen, to what the Bills have on the roster now. It's 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 impressive, um, and I absolutely. For the, I never thought I'd say this, but I can't wait for preseason football because we get to see all this depth that the Bills have accumulated mm-hmm. actually mm-hmm. on the field, in-game situations. So it's going to be awesome. All right, so let's move on from receivers. Let's move on to tight ends. Um, shorter group here. We only got five guys. Um, and the first one is our guy Dawson Knox. So a lot of people... I should say everybody is one way or the other. You're either – I think Dawson Knox is going to have a breakout season or I think Dawson Knox is a good tight end too. I feel like that's kind of where people put Dawson Knox. There's no kind of of middle ground for where they think Dawson's going to be this season. Give me your thoughts on, on Dawson Knox having watched him play for two seasons. Uh, the Josh Allen in the tight end position, right? But uh, I think he is a, a slower developer in terms of processing things than Josh Allen. Uh, he has all the ability in the world. He's physical. He, he showed that he can make tough, contested catches. Uh, he just has to be on a more of a consistent level. He has to be 
uh, more mentally tough. We talk about Reed Ferguson in 549 consecutive snaps without a hiccup. Well, uh, Dawson Knox has to start developing that type of mental toughness to catch every pass thrown his way, to catch every easy pass thrown his way. It's not difficult. It's just a mental thing. And I think if Dawson Knox can get over that mental hurdle, uh, he could indeed progress. In terms of having a breakout season, we just want to see him catch the damn football, right? We don't know uh, how much uh, Brian Dable is going to go to the tight ends. Is, is the reason he's not going to the tight ends because the receivers is better or that's just not part of his scheme, his system? We're going to find out find out this year uh, with uh, Dawson Knox's game. I believe that he has all the capabilities to, to break out and improve as a tight end. I'm going to talk about Dawson in a minute, but I'm going to put this kind of one up here from the Trek, the Trek reviewer. Mm-hmm. Um, Built in Buffalo, what do you think about playing Spencer Brown at tight end? Justin Zimmer at fullback and Reggie Gilliam at tailback in short yards and goal line packages, maybe Ertz. Um, that's a lot to pack right there as well. Um, Spencer Brown was a tight end in high school. Um, he actually, when he went to Northern Iowa to start his career, he was a tight end. Um, and then they asked him to transform his body um, I don't know what else is going on in Northern Iowa, but apparently a lot of the guys in Northern Iowa can actually, they have really good training facilities there because there's not a lot of other stuff going on in Northern Iowa. So they can put a lot of that community money into the, the school and the training facility. And he did it. Um, and he's an athlete and he could probably do it. I don't know if they would want him to do that because you're, you're kind of risking things, him running routes and downfield and things like that. Um, but yeah, goal in situations. I mean, we've seen tackle eligible plays. I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised if we see Spencer Brown on a tackle eligible play um, this season. Um, and then the rest of it, Justin Zimmer at fullback. That man is, have you seen the size of his calves? They're like, they're like tree trunks. It's insane. Um, and then Reggie Gilliam at tailback. Uh, Reggie Gilliam, we're going to talk about here in a minute because he's technically listed as a, a tight end slash fullback. Um, I think they can do a whole bunch of stuff. They got a lot of guys with versatility that they can do some goal line packages. So that's absolutely good. Uh, that's actually a good, good ideas that you had there. Um, I'm going to talk about Dawson Knox for a minute because I've been highly critical of Dawson Knox. I think like a lot of bills fans have been um, and a great comment from Daniel Garris. I saw um, that said, I believe it was Daniel Garris that said, I, I don't want to see Dawson Knox. He's not going to be Travis Kelsey or George Kittle. I, I don't think that's in his DNA. But what I want to see is, like Rich said, I want some damn consistency. I want you to pick up your goddamn blocks. I'm sorry, but I can't have you missing blocks. Um, I want you to be able to catch passes when you're wide-ass open. Can you do that, please? Because you can make all the contested catches and stiff-arm guys and make all these awesome plays. I still think that one of the best receptions I've ever seen by a tight end is the play against New England in 2019, that play that he that pass he caught in the goal line. I don't know how he caught that ball. I honestly don't know how he caught the ball. Um, but it's just the simple things he doesn't do. He excels at the exceptional things, and he's extremely mediocre at the things that is his job description. Block, make plays, and, and, and do your damn job. Like, just – I don't know. I, I I think that he's raw, and I'm, I, I want to give him a shot. And we know he was a quarterback in high school, so he has some intelligence, right? He knows he knows a good deal about the offense. I just I think he gets too much in his head, and I think that that's where Josh needs to come into play and be like, "Look, 
this is what we're going to do. I need to, I need, we just need confidence and they just need to work together some more. And maybe that's what this off season's all about. He got invited to tight end university with all the top name tight ends. Um, so we'll see what happens. We'll see. Um, I, on the other hand, am a big fan of Jacob Hollister. Um, I don't know if you guys remembered when the bills played the Seahawks last year. Um, one of the games, one of the many games the Bills had issues covering tight ends was the Seattle game. Not many people knew who that tight end was that was hurting us over the middle and getting yak yards, like a lot of yak yards and carrying defenders with him. That was Jacob Hollister. Uh, we all know the ties from Wyoming. Um, he was massive back in Wyoming. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the press conference. Um, I believe it was either before the Idaho Potato Bowl or shortly thereafter. Josh was like just just tiny. And now Josh is taller than him. It's funny. But I think these guys, again, like A-Rich alluded to with Tanner Gentry, they're bringing in a guy that's familiar with Josh. And that that can actually work. You know, it's not just doing him a favor. I think that could actually work because they've worked together before. They probably have practice routines. They probably have routines of looking at film and studying defenses because they've done it before. So, A. Rich, what's your thoughts on Tanner Gentry? You think he can come in and have an impact? Is he tight end? And I put up here, I, I apologize on the graphic, I put tight end two. I meant can he take over as tight end one if the Bills don't go after any other tight ends, which a lot of people don't think they will. What's your thoughts? Oh, you're muted again. That depends on Dawson Knox. Dawson Knox is going to get every opportunity to win this, to win the the starting job as a as a tight end one. But I believe Jacob Hollister is more than capable. You you we've seen what he's done just last year against the Buffalo Bills. He consistently caught the football and and was and was consistently uh making positive yards and making a positive impact for that Seattle Seahawks offense. So I think he could come to the Buffalo Bills and, and do the same thing. He showed the ability to run routes. He showed the ability to have soft hands and catch the football consistently. So if Dawson Knox is not mentally tough and he's dropping passes and he didn't show any progressions, I think Jacob Hollister is going to sneak in and, and get a lot more snaps than even uh even he thought he may get coming to the Buffalo Bills. So I think we have to look out for, for Jacob Hollister and the progression of Dawson Knox. And I think, too, he's got a couple advantages on Dawson Knox. He's a really good blocker. Yep. He's a really good blocking tight end. I mean, we're going to lose, and I hate to say this, but we're going to lose that aspect, <clears throat> excuse me, from the tight end role with Lee Smith. Lee Smith mm -hmm. was an exceptional blocker, and that's why he was on the team for as long as he was. Um, and plus, he, the second thing is Hollister played with Josh. I mean, we know, I know Dawson's played with, with Josh too, but they had a, they had a lot of success together. So a lot, you know, this guy, it's funny. A lot of people forget about this man. And I've even put it right there. The forgotten man in the tight end room is Tommy Sweeney. As we all know, um, last season, um, he contracted COVID and he had a heart complication that came from it. So, you know, it's kind of scary stuff, right? I don't want to go into specifics on the, on the medicals on Tommy mm -hmm. Sweeney. I know he was out for the whole season. It was kind of a scary situation. Um, it, it's just great to have him back. Um, he's back at practice. He was at OTAs, and it's nice to see him back in the Bills uniform. A lot of people, I think, had high hopes for him. Um, he looked pretty good. He looked like he was a really physical um, – a lot of people liked his blocking style. A lot of people thought that he would be better than Dawson Knox, and then unfortunately last year happened. What's, 
What's your take on Tommy Sweeney as kind of the wild card of the tight end room? Uh, he's intriguing, right? He had the COVID. He had the high conditions, so he couldn't play. But I believe uh, he was recently cleared. So he's able to now he's able to now play. So that means he's able to to work on his game and improve uh, in the offseason. I'm intrigued to see what Tommy Sweeney can do. His rookie year, he was the best tight end on our staff on our football team. He showed them that soft hands. He showed that uh, even as a late round draft pick, he seemed to be uh, more pro ready than Dawson Knox. So we're going to see what happens in terms of progression with Tommy Sweeney. But uh, it, it's intriguing, and he and it's it's murky at the same time because I don't know what I really don't know what to expect from him. Yeah, it's got to be one of those situations too. Um, as a coach, that you just hope for the best, right? Um, I've never had complications of an illness like this before, so it's got to be um, mm -hmm. the comeback story. Would be great if he make if he made even if he made the practice squad. I think in mm -hmm. you know at some point got called up to the active roster. I think that'd be an amazing story. Um, and I'm definitely pulling for the guy, and I, I hope that it does work out that way. Now, I don't have a graphic for Reggie Gilliam. Mm -hmm. um, we saw him in such small doses. I was so surprised when he made the active roster when they they transferred him or transformed him from a fullback to a tight end. Um, that shows that the Bills love the athletic skill set that he has and his versatility. I think that went a long way for him making the active roster. Um, kind of like a couple of the Bills, you know, players on defense, like Delshawn Phillips made the roster last year. Nobody thought that was going to happen, right? Nobody was talking about Delshawn Phillips making the the, roster, the active roster last season. So talk to me about Reggie Gilliam. What's your expectations of him uh, going into, you know, training camp in preseason is this another thing where he's going to be on the active roster used as a fullback? Cause we kind of scrapped the whole Patrick DeMarco fullback stuff. Um, is he going to see any playing time? What's, what's your thoughts on uh, Reggie Gilliam? Uh, I think he's going to have to fight to make this roster this year in, in 2021. Uh, it was more uncertainty, uncertainty last year with the tight end group. We didn't get Greg Olson. Dawson Knox was still relatively young and relatively raw. Uh, this year, I think we got a we we got we getting Tommy Sweeney back. We got Jacob Hollister. This is Dawson Knox's third year. Uh, really and truly, I believe Reggie Gilliam, Gilliam made the team because of his special teams prowess. Uh, he blocked, I believe, four field goals in college. So he had so, a yeah. he had a knack of blocking field goals, and we all know how much the Buffalo Bills value special teams. So I believe that was one of the main reasons why. Reggie Gilliam made this roster, but this year I think he's going to have a, a tougher time making it this go round. I agree. And last but not least is Nate Becker. I think that guy's destined to either be on the practice squad or um, might be released. He might be a, a camp casualty. Um, all right, so that's it for the tight ends. Now it's time for the bread and butter, the quarterback room. And I had a few pictures of Mitchie football. We gotta come up with we gotta come up with a, a nickname for Trubisky. I know I know some people in Chicago call them like Mitchie Biscuits or something like that, but I don't I don't I just don't I don't get that. So we gotta come up with a Okay, I'll think on it. And then he Mitch Trubisky, I'm gonna give you a teaser. He's part of the my would you rather segment later. Okay. Just so you know. Okay. I like it. I like it. Um <laughs> all right, so of course, the man, the myth, the bona fide goat. 
of Buffalo, the, the, the future Hall of Fame quarterback, the guy who owns Buffalo, literally everybody in the world loves this man, Josh Allen. He smashed every Bills single-season passing record in 2020. A. Rich, can he get any better than last year, this season, it's statistically? Now, I want to answer this question, and then I want to talk about – I want to I ask you a question about Mr. Bisky. Okay, so which okay. one do you want you want first? You want the Mr. Trubisky or you want me to answer the Josh? Mitchy Biscuits, um, you give me whatever you want, man. However you want to do it. I However think you jo- want to do it. I think Josh Allen is still has room to grow. He has 31 fumbles in three years. That's 10 fumbles a season. You can improve on that. You can improve on, on holding on to the football, making sure you're not fumbling the ball in crucial times, making sure you're not trying to play hero ball and do too much, right? We just alluded that he fumbled in the Indianapolis Coast game and thank God for a guy like Daryl Williams. Otherwise, that outcome could have been a lot different. So he definitely could improve that aspect of his game and he could definitely improve other aspects of his game as well. We're talking about a guy in Josh Allen that had a breakout party last year and he still had some struggles uh, throughout sometimes in the season. I think uh, even last year in the AFC championship game against Kansas City, I think he was pressing, pressing. Uh, a little bit too much. So can Josh Allen improve? Yes, he can definitely improve because his ceiling is limitless. I I think because I think you and me can both sit here and talk about Josh Allen for the whole show. Probably two hours we could talk about Josh. Pros, cons, future, you know, what what, what we think is going to happen. And, and this is going to sound really Homer, like a Homer take. But I've you, you guys, if you guys, and I'll give you like two minutes of something of reason why I'm going to say this. If you guys don't know what I do um, for Built in Buffalo, I, I look up content, ways to create content. Mm-hmm. You know how much film I've watched on 2018 Josh, 2019 Josh, 2020 Josh, a shit ton. Like, there, it's so much, right? And to see what he's able to fix when he wants to, right? Everybody talks so much smack about the 2019 wildcard game and how we had sugar high Josh and Mm -hmm. all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Next year, what did he do? He put the league on freaking notice, right? Mm -hmm. He put the league on notice, right? He, He was a huge part of the Bills becoming the first team in 25 years to win the AFC East the first team to win a playoff game in, in forever, the first team to make it to the AFC championship game in forever. A lot of that was Josh Allen was the catalyst of all that. So what happened? They lost in the AFC championship game. I I firmly believe that he takes all this shit personally. And I think that since he's been a kid and he's just been like counted against mm-hmm. time after time, after time, after time, whether it be going to Juco whether it being getting no no interest from college coaches except from Wyoming, um, whether it people saying that he was the worst quarterback of the class of 2018 before the draft happened, um, people saying that he was raw and he wasn't going to turn into this. He was he just he, he was Brett Favre without the accomplishments that Brett Favre had. He was never going to be like all the shit, right? Mm-hmm. I think the dude pays attention to everything. I think he hears and sees everything. 
And I think that he wears that shit on his sleeve, but not in a bad way. Mm-hmm. Not in a not in a bad way. I think that he uses that. And I honestly feel like this team is going to the Super Bowl this year. And I'm not I'm not blowing smoke. I'm not trying to be a woohoo go Bills fan like you ever year Super Bowl. I honestly think that he's going to look at what happened last year in the playoffs and he's going to take it personally. And he's going to do everything he can. He's already said he's working on different route schemes that he had trouble with last year. So what else is left? What else is left for him to do? Throw for 5,500 yards? I mean, score 50 points a game? What else is left? And Jordan Palmer said it perfectly when he said that the man has no ceiling. We have Mm -hmm. not seen a quarterback in the NFL like Josh Allen. Mm -hmm. And that's... That's not me talking to A. Rich as two just Bill's buddies. That's me being a a guy who analyzes Josh Allen's film for the last three years. Every snap that he's played, I've seen, I've watched, dissected, looked at it, looked at it again, looked at it backwards, rewound it, watched it again, different angles. I've seen – it's it's something that – and A. Rich has always said this. It's something that's never been done before. The historical leap that he's made in three years – it's just mm-hmm. absolutely astronomical. It's it's phenomenal. And, I, I, and and I, and I'm I'm on my soapbox, and I know that I'm just here preaching because I was the first guy to to and I'll admit it. I didn't want Josh Allen, and I'll and mm-hmm. I'll I'll admit that every day until the until his career is over. Mm-hmm. I wanted I wanted you know Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield was my guy, mm-hmm. but I'm so thankful that I was wrong, and we took yep. Josh Allen. So. That's my soapbox about Josh. I think that we're in for another really, really good season, and I think that he's going to do more things that he hasn't done before. I'll leave it at that. Nice. nice. What do you want to talk about? We got to come up with a name for <clears throat> for Trubisky. Definitely, definitely got to come up with a name for Bisky. But <laughs> Bisky, I, I, I got Bisky, Bisky, but but Bisky. But I, I wanted to I wanted to talk about Bisky a little bit because. He's obviously signed with the Buffalo Bills. He's 29 and 21, a career record. He made the Pro Bowl for whatever whatever that means in 2018. Uh, he came on a on a reset year, right? Josh Allen is the quarterback. Josh Allen is the quarterback. What if he doesn't get injured and he has a healthy season? What the hell? is a reset year for Mitch Trubisky. What is Mitch Trubisky's purpose for coming to the Buffalo Bills if it's a possibility he may not play? Showing out in preseason? I I, I don't want to go into this too much because it's part of my Would You Rather segment. Uh, Okay, okay, okay. So um, we can can hold it. We can hold it down. Everything that Brandon Bean said about Mitch Trubisky – um, even down to the fact of calling Matt Barkley to tell him that they were moving in another direction. I believe everything. I believe that they talked to Mitch Trubisky. You, you got to think in your heart of hearts, if you have any common sense as a football um, spectator, someone who, who watches games, know, like us, we do content creation, mm-hmm. talks about football all the time. You got to know that he had an offer somewhere else. Tyrod Taylor got $10 million, mm-hmm. right? Jacoby Brissett got what? 7 million, six or 7 million. Mm-hmm. You got to think that Mitch Trubisky was warranting offers like that mm-hmm. somewhere think. else, right? You would think you have to, you have mm-hmm. to. 
So it has to be everything that Brandon Bean said it was. I want to come somewhere to reset, probably mentally, right? Get all of that Chicago Bears bad juju shit out of my system and focus on whatever you guys want me to do in Buffalo. You want me to run the second team offense? I'll do that. You want me to run with the first team offense in practice? I'll do that. You want me to play two preseason games? I'll do that. Oh, by the way, if Josh goes down, I got you. Mm -hmm. I can do a lot of the things Josh does very similar, maybe not as good, Mm -hmm. clearly not as good. Mm -hmm. But I can come here and, and then next year, someone might call me and say, hey, you want to come compete for our starting quarterback position? Because the way I look at it, all these rookie quarterbacks that have been drafted from 2019, 20, and this year, I don't think a lot of them are locks as starting franchise quarterbacks. You know, something could happen. Anything could happen. You know, what happens if Sam Darnold gets a, a you know a career-threatening injury in Carolina? Maybe Mitch Trubisky can go be the savior in Carolina. It just... I know that's a random thought, but yeah. like th- stuff like that could happen. Um, look at Washington. Mm-hmm. Who's who's their co- starting quarterback next year? Patty Fitzpatrick. No, no, th- not this season. Next season. Uh, next season. Good. Hey, excellent question. Excellent. I mean, point. there's gonna then there's gonna be teams like that, mm-hmm. um, and maybe he's brought in to compete for a starting position. They give him a decent three year deal, and he ends up being the backup. You never. I mean, you know. I mean. Yep. And, and I'm going to answer my own question here. I believe Mitchell Trubisky saved his career by coming to the Buffalo Bills. Absolutely. He, he's, coming Absolutely. To a, he's coming to a team where he's watching a quarterback with a similar skill set that's being successful so he can see how it's done, right? He's also a player that had only one year really experience in college. He only had he only played that one yeah. year in Carolina before coming to the pros. So now he gets that reset. He has some experience, and now he could he could see uh, from the backup quarterback position how somebody somebody like himself plays, and and hopefully build off of that. Take every mental rep possible as long as you're with the Buffalo Bills, and take that experience with you. And hopefully that could propel him to a starting job in the future. Mitchell Trubisky saved his career by coming to the Buffalo Bills. On top of the fact, and I've said this before, it's not his fault that he was drafted number two overall. And those expectations were put on his shoulders from the day he was drafted. It's not his fault because, and you'll see where I'm going with this, a quarterback drafted in the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh does not have nearly the expectations of Mm -hmm. a quarterback drafted, not just in the first round, but a team traded up to get you number two. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. I mean, he's probably – I don't want to say he's the poor poor man's version of Josh Allen because I hate doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've spoken about this last year. We spoke about it before it happened this offseason. You and me both agreed that this was a position that was being toyed with with the Buffalo Bills and mm-hmm. having Matt Barkley. Love him or hate Matt Barkley. He's a great teammate. Family's great in the community. Everybody loves his wife in that locker room. The the team seems to think that they're a great fit for the city. But this needed to happen. Um, and this needed to happen because you're a competitive franchise now. You can't completely put mm-hmm. ev- all your – I mean, as physical as Josh is, we can't 
we can't just cross our fingers when Josh is running downfield and gets four guys tackling him and he doesn't try to go down, doesn't try to slide, doesn't try to get out of bounds because mm-hmm. he's Josh and he wants the, the goddamn first down. And then Josh gets up limping and we're all collectively going, holy shit, mm-hmm. holy shit. Like mm-hmm. in the Raiders game, when he, when he woke, when he stood up and you could tell his shoulder was all messed up, we were all like, oh shit. Yep. We're tearing up the league right now. Oh shit. So that, that's just my thought. And I'll put these two guys up here and we could touch on this real quick. Jake Fromm, Davis Webb. I don't think we carry four because I feel like if you put one of these two guys, well, they're probably both going to go on the practice squad, but I don't know if we put both on the practice squad. What, what's your what's your thoughts on Jake Fromm and Davis Webb? I mean, Jake Fromm hasn't seen an NFL game. He was the, the quarantine quarterback last year. Davis Webb's never taken a snap in the NFL. What what's your thoughts on these two guys? Uh, the Buffalo Bills are going to carry two quarterbacks on the fifty-three man roster, and those are the two quarterbacks being carried. Uh, I think Jake Fromm has the inside track because he was drafted by the Buffalo Bills. Now, again, do they like Davis Webb? Uh, I, I I believe they do. I believe they they love his intellect. So, uh, at the same time, these are the quarterbacks that is going to be in competition for who makes the practice squad because I don't think two of them is going to make it, and I don't think we carry three on the roster. Um, Again, Davis Webb was calling plays, um, was calling in the plays um, instead of Brian Dable during OTAs. Mm -hmm. He he did that last year too when they were down in Miami. Dable would fax him the plays, and they would, you know, they – he would call this, you know, who was going to be in the formations and things like that. Um, I think that – I think Jake Fromm's the odd man looking out. Mm-hmm. I think that he's going to have to have one hell of a training camp in preseason. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that somebody would trade for Jake Fromm. I honestly do. Mm-hmm. I honestly, somebody would give a late round pick for Jake Fromm. He's never, yes, he's never played, but he's got no, he's got no NFL wear and tear on him either. Right. Mm-hmm. He's been in a winning organization. Mm-hmm. He's been mentored by Josh Allen and Matt Barkley. Um, mm-hmm. Kyle Dorsey or Ken Dorsey, Brian Dable. So you see what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't, I don't think that the, and I think if you put Davis Webb on the practice squad, I think he's gone with teams being able to have 16 players on the practice squad. I think he's gone. I think that he'll get nabbed by somebody. That's just my opinion. And you're right about the two quarterbacks. They have to put one of these guys on the practice squad. They have Mm -hmm. to, because you can't, you're not just going to outright, Unless they get, you know, somebody gets traded or or something like that. But right. all right, so we hit we hit the receivers pretty hard. We hit the tight ends. We hit the QBs. Um, comment section is is blowing up. YouTube crowd has been great this whole show. Facebook crowd's been in here. Twitter, we've seen a, I've seen a, quite a few people from Twitter. So thank you. So new segment that I wanted to throw in here to kind of end the show on, you know, just kind of a a way to push Akeem and I want him to push me on these and these aren't something that we're going to talk about forever it's just kind of you know some like quick release just shoot them out there I'm probably describing it really wrong but we want just just a quick segment to kind of go back and forth and we haven't told each other what these were what these questions we haven't talked about it Mm -hmm. this isn't a setup I promise you Um, but this is would you rather
All right. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Uh, I think I will go first. Excellent. Why not? Excellent. Why not? So, um, hold on. I, I got to pull. I got to get the hot take button ready. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Go <laughs> well, ahead. All right. Now go ahead. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> now, again, uh, once again, this is our new segment. Would you rather, uh, DM three has no idea what I'm going to ask him. He's going to answer the question. Would he rather a, or would he rather be, uh, uh, the people in the comments chiming in, uh, you could play along as well. So first question, would you rather, uh, DM three, would you rather play the Kansas City Chiefs or the Cleveland Browns in the AFC Championship game? Kansas City Chiefs. Why? Because I think the Browns are better than the Chiefs. Mm. Mm. I, I, t- I tweeted that out a couple weeks ago, and I got, I got shit on. Mm. I think that the Browns have constructed one hell of a roster, mm. and I think – Look at the game last year. They played the Chiefs better than the Bills did. I know Mahomes was not 100% in that game, and he, he came out of that game, but I I don't know. The running They have the running style that can slow down that game and just take the Chiefs' offense completely out of it. That's me. If, if those two played, say, the week, the same week the Bills played somebody else and whoever was the winner of that game – the Bills would have to play in the AFC Championship, which I think is going to be in Orchard Park. By the way, um, I like it. I, I I think it's I think Cleveland would beat Kansas City. I honestly do. Wow! And people are going to give me shit because it's the Browns, right? Yeah, people are going to give me shit because it's the Browns and it's Patrick Mahomes. And look what the Chiefs—they were in you know three straight uh, AFC Championship games and two straight Super Bowls. I don't care. Look at what the Browns did this offseason. They got really good on defense, really good on defense. They drafted Greg, uh, Greg Newsom and JOK. You're right, and they I'll, have they they have a top three running running team in the NFL. I'm see, just I'm just saying. See, I would pick. See, I would pick the Kansas City Chiefs, but my reasons are different reasons. Number one, I love the Cleveland Browns roster. But I just did a show this past Tuesday called Coaching Matters. I'm not high on Kevin Stefanski. Uh, Andy Reid is a hell of a coach. He's still devising plays and coaching up the Kansas City Chiefs. And every time that we play the Chiefs, even though I want to play them, and even though I, I want to play them because they beat us, I, I, I want revenge. That's why I want to play them. But when we played them, uh, we've got outplayed and outcoached. In my opinion, so uh, I, agree. I think I, I th- so I think the Cleveland Browns roster wise is a good roster, but coaching I still think uh, Andy Reid has that has that edge. But I still rather face the Chiefs because they they beat us. They've been beating us a lot, and I I, I want to go through the man. I want to yeah. go through them to well, to get the to get the uh, the Super Bowl because you, you know, you know what haters is going to say, right? Oh, you won the Super Bowl. You didn't have to play the Chiefs. You got lucky. You lucked out and didn't play the Chiefs. Oh, nah. The Give us the that. Chiefs. Give us everybody one time, and let's go so, to the gauntlet. We won't have to hear that when we beat them week five. Touche. Touche. All right. <laughs> All right. Hey, Rich. This is a question that everybody's been talking about, but I want your opinion on it, and I'm going to give you mine once we get through. All this talk about a new stadium for the Buffalo Bills. You probably know where I'm going with this. Would you rather have a dome or an open roof stadium? And I don't care where it is. 
because everybody's talking about downtown Orchard Park, whatever. Would you rather have a dome or an open roof stadium? Comment section, you guys can answer as well. I I would like to have. I, I can I put my own little spin on this. Just my own little spin. Just a, just sure. a smidgen, a smidgen sure. of a spin. Sure. I would like to have a retractable dome. <laughs> if the if that makes sense. Dwayne said the same thing. That's hilarious. I, yeah, yes. Me and Dwayne, we on par. Look out, uh, Buffalo Blueprint this Tuesday. Myself, Dwayne Fall will be, be my guest. Look out for that. But a retractable dome. The reason why is because uh, I, I, I don't want to take away completely the Buffalo elements all the time and completely. It's just like Buffalo weather, playing at Buffalo in the cold. It just fits. And I don't want to completely take that away. But I do want to dome because my goddamn quarterback just play just plays lights out <laughs> with great weather in the dome. Josh Allen plays lights out. I'm I'm comfortable playing anybody in the dome when I have Josh Allen on my team playing in the dome as the quarterback. So because of the success <clears throat> and the high quality play of Josh Allen combined with uh, I don't want to take the the Buffalo Bill feel that vibe. The weather plays a part sometimes. I don't want to take that away. So combined with those two things, I come up with retractable dome. Hmm. See, I'm team no dome. Really, football is meant to be played outside. I don't. I don't. I I hear everything you're saying about how Josh plays in a dome. I don't want no excuses. Well, you guys play in a dome, so of course Josh threw for 5,918 yards because there's no weather, there's no wind, there's no rain, blah, blah, blah. We drafted a quarterback, and the second reason why Brandon Bean said we drafted Josh Allen was because he can play in weather. Game plan to beat a team when it's raining or snowing or windy. We saw it against the Ravens. Both quarterbacks couldn't do shit as far as throw the ball downfield. Mm-hmm. One team figured out a way to win. The other team couldn't. I mean, if, if you're the better team, you're going to figure out how to win if it's windy, if it's rainy, if it's snowing. They didn't have domes back when football was created. Football's mm-hmm. an outside sport. Mm-hmm. You Play know it what? outside. Play it outside. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. That's that. That's the you know? old. That's the old school way of looking and at things. There's nothing wrong I agree, with that. I agree with everything you said about how good Josh is when it's in Miami. When it's 75 degrees and sunny, there's not a cloud in the sky and there's no wind and Josh is just zipping the ball down the field or he's playing the Raiders in the dome and there's just, there's nothing. There's no, there's nothing. Mm -hmm. I I just feel like the experience of going to a football game, especially a Bills game, is just being packed into a stadium, whether it be sunny, whether it be raining, whether it be snowing, enjoying your time in an an open stadium in the elements. That's just me. You don't think that would give us a, a double advantage? Like, hey, we, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers is coming to town. Pittsburgh plays in the cold. Let's play on the, in a dome against the ass. Hey, <laughs> the Indianapolis, uh, the Indianapolis, uh, Minnesota Vikings is coming to town. They're a dome team. You know what? It's below zero in Buffalo today. We're going to play outside today. That, that's that's what I'm thinking. Give us every advantage possible. But I respect I respect the announcers as well. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think it works that way. <laughs> <Don't think. laughs> all right so you're, you're up you're up hit me all right would you rather 
and uh, it's, this is this is a this you know this is a negative one, but I, you know you got to put Uh-oh. some negativity. You got to put some negative things in there at times. Would you rather get swept by the New York Jets and deal with their fans, or the Miami Dolphins and deal with their fans? Jets. Really? Dolphins fan. Dolphins fans are the worst. I feel yeah. like since Josh took over um, and was clearly the better quarterback than Sam Darnold. I think the Jets fans have kind of gone away. They got a little bit annoying when they drafted Zach Wilson, but the Dolphins fans are just relentlessly annoying. Like they have every excuse in, under the book for Tua and they're coming. They're coming. We, we, we had you last year until you beat our asses with your backups in week 17. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they have excuses for everything and you want to talk, you want to call them out on how, they signed all these high-end free agents before last season, and then they released them all or traded them all just to sign more guys this year. And they say that it was smart, calculated moves, and it's just they're delusional. They're just mm-hmm. delusional. The Bills have owned the Dolphins, and Sean McDermott and, and Josh Allen have been there. I don't think that's going to change. Are they going to be more competitive games? Yes. So that's why I don't want to lose to them twice. I'd rather lose to the Jets. Not Now, I am going to kind of throw a caveat in there. This season would be really bad because yeah. the Jets shouldn't be any good this year. right? The Jets, the Jets should probably should win four, five, six games. Maybe the Dolphins should win 10 games. So if we get swept by the Dolphins, it's going to be all bad. All around. It's going to be all bad all around. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, yeah. And me and you personally know Dolphins fans that are relentless. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, what about you? Uh, it's tough. It, it's tough. Obviously, you don't want to get swept by any divisional foe, but uh, I believe I'd rather get swept by Miami. I, you know, I I got more friends that's jet for this jet guys. I think. Oh, you're that, in New York, or you're near yeah, right near that, New York. That's why. Yeah, yeah, that that could be that could be a reason. You know, they'll get relentless on me if we if we was to lose to the Jets. So I think because of that, I'd rather lose to uh, Miami as opposed to the Jets. Do I think we're losing to either of them? No, but. Would you rather? Yeah. Plus, I can see that the Dolphins, if it was this year, if we're just talking about any year in general, but if it, if it's this year, I think the Dolphins have a way better team than the Jets, so I could probably stomach it a little bit better knowing that we lost to a good team instead mm-hmm. of losing to a shitty Jets team. Mm-hmm. So, all right. This one's kind of uh, a quirky one. Um, would you rather, a Rich, would you rather spend a day with Stefan Diggs or Cole Beasley? You got to do whatever for a day. Who would you rather hang out with? That is an excellent question. I think I'd rather hang with Cole Beasley. I think Cole Beasley, you know, if I was if I wanted to go work out and work on some routes and work and work on my game, it would probably be Stefan Diggs because he looked like that tireless worker that just wants to go work out three times a day, all day, right. every day. Right. You're gonna be tired. But, yeah, but but with, with Cole Beasley, I think I can. I think he'll take me to the studio. Uh, right. we'll, we'll, we'll drop a track. We'll go get eat some food. <laughs> I think I think me and Cole Beasley would have a pretty entertaining day. So uh, I'm going to roll with Cole Beasley on that one, man. That's an excellent question. I I agree with you too. Um, not no knock on Diggs. I just feel like when he's in his bag, like of what he wants to do. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like. Bees would be more like 
kind of casual, like, yeah, dude, whatever. Let's man, let's go. Let's do whatever you want to do. Like Beasley would be like, I got to hit the gym and then I'm going to, ro- I'm going to run 47 miles and then mm-hmm. we're going to beach. I'm working on my footwork. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then, and then, and then, and then maybe I'll stop off. And I'll get you some Jordans. Right. Yep. And then I'm going back <laughs> to the gym and be- Beasley be like, all right, like you said, let's go, let's go. You want, you want to, you want to drop a track? Let's go drop a track. You want to go get something yeah. to eat? Yeah, man. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. 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 So that that's my take. I like it. You're up. I like it. All right. I, I don't have five. I know we spoke off 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 record about five. I, I couldn't come up with five, but I got one last. <laughs> I got one last one. Take uh the bullshit out the equation and judge the player for what the players are. Again, take all the bullshit out the equation. Take the salary oh cap out the bullshit and the salary cap. Out the equation, take the players for who they are. Would you rather Julio Jones or Antonio Brown on this Buffalo Bills football team right now? Julio take the Jones. Bullshit, take the bullshit Julio, out. Take the salary cap out. Julio Jones. Julio Jones. Yes. Really? Really? Yes. And that's bullshit aside. That's the crap that happened two years ago aside with not signing here or whatever. Um, I, think, I think Julio's... I think Julio's more of a complete, and I, and I know Antonio Brown did. I mean, just absolutely astronomical stuff with Pittsburgh. Man, back Antonio, back. Antonio Brown. He, he was he was the best receiver in the game for a handful of years. Straight, straight. Julio Jones. I think you get you're you're getting a more consistent physical presence. And and, and I'm looking at it differently. I'm looking at it as a, a fit on this Bills current roster. That's how I'm kind of looking at it. I think the, if you watch my show on Thursday, I said he's the he's the alpha receiver that can go along with the other alpha receiver that we have. One guy can do this, one guy can do that. It's like one A and one B. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like he's that type of receiver this offense misses. That big guy, wherever you throw the ball, whoever the hell is is guarding him, he's gonna get it. And this offense with somebody like that would just be absolutely unstoppable. I, Antonio, if we're talking peak Antonio Brown, like 2015 Antonio Brown, when he was damn near like 1,700 yards, 120 receptions, like I get you on that. uh, I'm just always, I've just always like been a a bigger fan, I guess, too. I guess the the fans coming out of me of Julio Jones and Mm -hmm. he's, I don't know. I don't know. What, what's what's your thoughts? I guess I probably already know your answer. The way you, the way you asked it, and your res- the way you were responded when I when I gave you my answer. Uh, okay, so it for me it would be Antonio Brown, but st- stylistically, I think Julio Jones would make more sense stylistically because he just brings that presence that we don't have, you know. But Antonio Brown, man, is a He's a tough cover. <laughs> we're talking about a guy. We're talking about footwork. What did Tredavious White say about Stefan Diggs when he when he when they first met in practices? You're like a goddamn Antonio Brown. <laughs> right. You, you know, so I, you know, as, as Stefan Diggs and Antonio Brown, that 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 that's fear. Uh Julio Jones, I think both would, would pose fear to opposing defenses, but Man, and Antonio Brown, man, he he brings he brings that he, he brings another uh another element to to the receiving room. So I, I I'll go with Antonio Brown. I'm with you. All right, I got a couple more. I won't I won't go five because 
but I'm going to pepper you with a couple more. All right. If you were told that one of these gentlemen was going to leave for another organization, it was happening. You couldn't stop it. One was going to go. Which one would you want to stay? Brandon Bean or Sean McDermott? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. uh. One of them's got to go because the writing, like this, whatever it is, whatever that it's, it probably, hopefully, dear, dear Lord, hopefully never happened, but one's gone and one can stay. Man, that is a tough question. Uh, Wow. One one has to go half to? Would you rather? It's <laughs> would you rather, man. It's, I it's, think it, I, I would I think I would want Bean to stay. I think I would choose Bean. And it's hard. And that don't I don't that don't mean I it's tough, Sean. It's tough, McDermott. I, I love the guy. But we're talking about construction of a football team, salary cap management. Uh that's important. I I I go B. I want B. I I agree with you on the one reason is I think that Bean can find another. No, I I don't want to say he can find another Sean McDermott, but I think he can find someone similar to Sean McDermott that would bring the same energy, the same culture, the same. Because I feel like Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott same share the same like ideology of how they want to run this thing. Like they're mm-hmm. they're just like two inseparable guys that have the same thought process at all times. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Last but question. not last but not least. And I saw the comment section is kind of divided. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Excellent question. And it sucked when I thought about that too, because yeah. I thought about how I would answer and I'm like, I'm like, screw this shit. I don't, I don't want to answer this question. <laughs> um, last one. And this involves, Mitchy, Mitchy, Trubisky, Bisky, whatever we're calling him. So, mm-hmm. Mitch Trubisky comes in and lights up preseason. Just looks absolutely world beating, right? Would you rather trade Mitch Trubisky for a high round draft pick? You know, say someone calls and offers what you, whatever you would consider a good trade value for Mitch Trubisky. Would you do that, or would you keep Mitch Trubisky for the whole season? Knowing that you could have, a say, let's say a second-round draft pick next year. I would keep Mitchell Trubisky. I'm, ah. If Josh Allen gets hurt, I'm, we're done. With, you know, <laughs> we're done. So if we, we, you know, as, well, let me let me let me be more specific. If Josh Allen, God forbid, God forbid, gets hurt for a significant amount of time, any starting quarterback that gets hurt for a significant amount of time is done to begin with, right? But right. we're talking about four games, three, four games. Uh, we have to salvage our season. We're not going to do that with Jake Fromm. Our season's over Very. with Jake Fromm. Our season is over with Davis Webb. Our season is not over. With Mitchell Trubisky, he can come and hold the fort down three and one, two and two until Josh Allen comes back and we can continue our quest to the Super Bowl because getting the high draft pick doesn't guarantee anything anyway. So I have an opportunity to win a Super Bowl. I have this team intact. I'm going to keep Mitchell Trubisky. 
I agree. I agree with you. Absolutely. The comment section does not. <laughs> Everybody says trade him hands down. Um, but I think that a lot of people didn't dissect this like the way that me and you did for like a seemingly like two years now. I mean, me and you, I think even did a couple videos last last year on the backup quarterback position. A lot of people don't realize that. What if it's week four and Josh is done for the year? Torn ACL. Mm-hmm. God forbid. Dave, Davis Webb's winning. Mm-hmm. Are, are we just planning on who we're drafting in the top five? You right. know what I'm saying? Like we have an we have a, a talented enough roster to where I think Davis Webb, Jake Fromm could come in. We would win some games, especially with the lighter schedule that we have this year as opposed to last year. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. I mean, you got a guy, and nothing's guaranteed with Mitch Trubisky either. Nothing's right, guaranteed. Right. Like he 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 hasn't completely just not he's just regressed to the point of where he can't be cured or fixed. Right. Well, there's no guarantees. Right. 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 Um, so it's a tough one. It's a tough one, but I agree with you. I, I would definitely keep Mitch Trubisky because what if it's week 15 mm-hmm. and we're fighting for the number one seed in, you know, the AFC for the playoffs and Josh is going to be out for two games or whatever. Mitch can come in and probably at least get us competitive in those two games, if not win two games. So I had one more. You want the last one? Yeah, let's do it. All let's right, because this, this this isn't a super big deal. It's kind of I should have went I should have led with one of this with one of, with this one actually, um, because I, I don't know how you feel about this, but should the Bills stick with the shout song or should they try to look for something new? Mm. And I'm not talking about mm. the new stuff that's come out lately. Um, I'm talking about maybe somebody comes up with a new rendition of something. Are you are you still in love with the shout song every time they score the who are you or should we come up with something new? It's been around for like 40 years. Like I feel like is that is it I uh, you know what? <laughs> I like it. All right. <laughs> I like I like the shout song. I like now uh, would would we like a, a a modern version maybe a more modernized version? Maybe we can we can hear a a, a modernized version if somebody can right. come up with something better. But man, the the shout song I, I'm used to it. Uh, I I wanna I wanna hear it uh, during the Super Bowl. I wanna chant it during the Super Bowl. I, you know, there's something that it, it doesn't bother me. If we could find a more modernized one and it actually yeah. sounds better, then okay. But you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. I got you. I agree, hundred percent. I agree. I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, so yeah. that's all I got. Hey, Rich, you got anything else before we end the show? It's been two hours and fourteen lovely minutes of. We've had a ton of people that have been in here the entire show. So thank you so very much for supporting. Me and A. Rich, we went off on some rants. We took we took a ride in the car. We went around the block a couple hundred times. We brought it back in. We reeled things back in. Um, this was a fun show. I had I had a I had a blast talking about a lot of topics, which we tend to do every week um, on our mm-hmm. show. So, what you got, man? Anything before we get out of here? Yeah, man. Uh, I had uh, a fabulous time doing this show uh, once again. Bill Zology, A. Rich, Akeem Richens, my brother DM three. Uh, Dave Myers, uh, I, what we want, what we're trying to do is we're trying to make this show, Billsology, one of the best overall shows uh, for Bill's content. So that's why we're you're going to see us doing different things every week from the tweet this to uh, would you rather to our graphics, our edits, our videos that we put up when we put them up. We just want to try to stay uh 
uh, ahead of the competition and definitely with the competition. We're trying to develop this thing into one of the best uh, Bill's brand, uh, Bill's uh, podcast out there. So we appreciate the love that we've been getting. We appreciate the feedback. And we'll be back next week, same time, 9 p.m. to do the same thing all over again, given the Bill's content that uh, we know is necessary and we know everybody wants to hear. So we appreciate all the love we've been getting. <laughs> And I second all of that. It does take a good bit of prep to put the show together. I try to um, give you guys as much visual stimulation as possible throughout the show. Um, I know that sometimes watching or listening to a podcast, you need some things to kind of keep it flowing and keeping things looking right. And I kind of pride myself in doing that stuff. So <clears throat> on that note, tomorrow, our guy justice. If you guys don't know who our guy justice is, he does a ton of stuff for us. He's kind of like our social media, um, operator. He, he runs our Twitter page. He makes highlight videos. Um, he's got a Stevie Johnson video. Ironically enough called why so serious coming out. Um, we're going to drop that tomorrow. It's awesome. He did a really good job on this. So look for that. It's coming out tomorrow. Um, and again, if you guys aren't following us on all social media platforms, they're in the link or they're in the description down below. So check us out. We're everywhere, um, and we're going to keep coming. And like A. Rich said, we have shows almost every day on YouTube now. Um, shows or videos dropping every day. A. Rich will be back Tuesday with the Buffalo Blueprint, um, and then I'll be back next week on Bill's Allergy. So we will see you right back here next week, Saturday night, 9 p.m., Bill's Allergy. I'm DM3 for A. Rich. This is Built in Buffalo. As always, go Bills. Have a good night, everyone. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.